Excuse me. Has anybody seen That was a joke about the world being flat, right? Was it? Why does it seem like the further we go back in history, the more advanced we were? You're telling me people were so primitive they took a hammer and chisel and made this? President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. When we were successful, we were We had a real chance at this new world order. Welcome, fellow truthers and conspiracy junkies, to another episode of White Rabbit. I am your host, Catalyst Jones. Riding shotgun is that motherfucking man, Sean Chris from Kill the Mockingbirds. What's going on, brother? What's good, bro? Man, uh, it's been a it's been another eventful week in the media. So you know, uh, pushing out those daily conspiracy reels, trying to keep those as fun as possible, and not uh, get wrapped up into the you know the bullshit politics and and the fighting amongst each other everything so uh you know i've been trying to keep it fun this week it's the way to do it man it's the only way to do it well speaking of keeping it fun we got somebody and i don't know if you guys know who this is because he kind of keeps himself at a little incognito-ness but his background is he's been writing some articles and about different things for our boys over at whiskey beer and conspiracies and uh, he has agreed to come on so that we could talk about one of my favorite topics, which is going to be holograms and possible Project Bluebeam. So I would like to introduce you to the show for the very first time, Noel Rodriguez. How is it going, brother? Salute, salute, salute. Thanks for having me on the White Rabbit. It's been a long time coming. Appreciate you. No doubt, brother. So um, for those that don't know about you, what you do, uh, why don't you give everybody a little bit about yourself before we jump into everything here? Absolutely. Uh, more than happy to. So essentially, uh, formerly a New Jersey native residing in Central Texas, where I'm never more than a few feet away from a copy of the Constitution, the Bible and rifles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got linked up with the boys over at the Hooligan Tavern, a.k.a. Whiskey Beer and Conspiracies, where I began uh, producing articles for their Rockfin channel. Um, some of those articles were really big hits. And so the guys actually had me come on as a staple part of the show, which I greatly appreciated because it allowed for me uh, to develop this outlet to start, you know, dropping truth nukes, brother, just like you guys been doing. I think we all share an equal responsibility, especially considering the dynamic of the world today, to start researching, opening up those books and sharing. Uh, recent recent uh, quote that I like from, uh, from a podcast that I joined a couple weeks ago was each one teach one. And I think that's where we are right now. So again, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Uh, hologram technology is something that is absolutely incredible considering some of the information that uh, I recently learned and put together in the report we're gonna go through today. And uh, I'm glad to share, brother. Glad to share, glad uh, to be here. I'm excited to get into it. But before we get into it, I, I gotta know. Um, so how did you link up with uh, with the hooligans? What? How did that, uh, how did that take place? And what kind of uh, articles have you written in the past? Okay, good question. Good question. So uh, once we were locked in for the COVID, because, you know, in the very beginning, everybody wanted to do the right thing, do the right thing, do the right thing. 
And so I'm locked in at that point. It gave me ample opportunity to start searching the web, to start going on social media, figuring out, you know, what kind of information was being shared, being circulated, who was on the up and up, who was trying to sell snake oil, who was full of shit. And uh, gracefully, thankfully, I bumped into uh, captain of the Nebuchadnezzar, a.k.a. Brian Big Country, and uh, I was fascinated by some of the stuff he was putting out there. His show was incredibly organized at the time, and this was in, in an early stage. And so I linked up with these guys and started following them ever since. Um, uh, one of the greatest things, though, was his, um, his, uh, the importance of his family. You know, uh, family's a big thing with those guys. Um, his co-hosts, uh, first of all, one of them is a... a and, you know, we back the blue. Rest in peace, Ella French. We actually just passed her one year anniversary. Chicago police officer shot and killed in the line of duty. Um, and Boya, which is uh, the one of three hosts. Great guy, super family guy. And so this idea of researching and protecting your family with knowledge, belief in, in Christ as our Lord and Savior, and just being truth hooligans, reeled me in right away. Um, the very first article that I wrote for them was uh, a piece on BlackRock and Vanguard. I'm pretty sure by this time you guys know about those two behemoths in the industry. Yeah. They literally own fucking everything. Sean, you, you you heard of these guys already? Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Brother, well, of they course. own I, everything. I will say there, there's people people above them as well, though. You know, the Collins run everything. Their, their name is just not very common. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. For sure. D don't get me wrong. Uh, BlackRock and Vanguard are just um, funds. They're large funds. It's the investors of those funds. The guys pulling the strings here. These guys right here, the fucking committee of 300 guys. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones pulling the real strings. But um, the very first article was highlighting uh, information about BlackRock and Vanguard. Again, they fucking got a piece of everything, guys. Literally yeah. everything. It's a franchise. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Totally secretive. For example, you can't even get a list of the investors on Vanguard. They won't tell you who they are at all. Nothing. Zero. Zero. Um, and these guys are likely on your 401k plans. <laughs> if you guys are locked in with 401k, you take a look at what they're investing. They, they own everything. Literally everything. Um, a reason why I was compelled to start an article on BlackRock was because during the COVID, these guys were buying up Yep. private real estate all across the country still at 60 percent they still are huh yeah like oh yeah guys, they, got, they, they got everything on lock right now incredible man these guys were paying upwards of 60 percent over asking who the hell's mm -hmm. not going to sell at that point especially during the covid when in, in yep. the middle of it when when you don't know what what's going to happen from from week to week so i mean uh just that right there compelled me to um to write an article uh, subsequent articles included the death and murder of uh, specialist Vanessa Guillen from Fort Hood, who went to work mm. during the COVID, was called in by a base commander or superior and ended up dead, uh, chopped up, burned, raped, possibly just incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, that story was so compelling, fellas, that I actually marched with the family in D.C., where they petitioned Donald Trump to uh to get the Armed Services Committee to start an investigation. And now, today, they've been able to rewrite the um, Military Code of Criminal Justice 
where rape was initially like a misdemeanor. It was a slap on the wrist. It, it wasn't even fully included in the military code of justice. That's probably why it was such common common thing happening too. Oh man, listen, I I dug deep. That rabbit hole was was heartbreaking. It was gut wrenching. Or hoodies. Um, yeah, it's like brother, it's, I was saying for a long time that it should it should just be completely dismantled, man. That like that was the whole, Yep, completely. Like there's no there's no fixing it. Like they say a lot of people like I'm not in the military, but a lot of my friends that were in the military, they're like, "Man, you can't fix that. You could take out like uh sergeants and commanders, everybody at the lead, he's all, but all those people are infected. You got to completely dismantle it. 110%, brother. I learned during my research at the time that there's a SHARP program. I believe it stands for Sexual Harassment and Response Prevention, the SHARP program. I actually put that in today's Daily Conspiracy Reel. No kidding. Yeah. We're over the target, brother. I'm in the right place. <laughs> so listen, the, the, the commander that was in charge of that a few years back was actually arrested and charged for operating a sex ring using soldiers that he was supposed to be protecting and educating in the shark program and pimping them out to commanders on the base. Blew my fucking mind. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There are so many cases of female soldiers, male soldiers alike, right, that are brutally murdered, found dead, Okay, under mysterious circumstances, and it's just swept away as a suicide. I mean, so some of these details are incredible. How the hell do you throw acid on yourself, stab yourself, shoot yourself, chop yourself up? <laughs> I mean, Unless you're a friend of the Clintons. <laughs> mind blowing. It's so dumb that it's laughable that uh, agreed. they can get away with this shit. Um, agreed. So other than some of the dark side of this stuff, I know you like to I know you like to dive down rabbit holes just like we do here on White Rabbit. Yeah. So so let's get into this hologram uh and holographic yeah. shit. How how it all started, because I, I know you're gonna give us a brief history. So if if that's where you want to begin, let's go ahead and start there, brother. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, appreciate you guys for allowing me the opportunity to get some of this information out here. It's compelling, uh, it's relevant considering where we are today with this mass hypnosis that seems to be encompassing. Uh, the earth and uh, it's insane. So yeah, let's let's get into a brief history. So if you don't mind, I think I'm just going to go right off the report unless you want me to just freestyle. You do whatever you're more comfortable with, brother. However you feel like presenting it to us, we're 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 here for the ride. Okay, awesome, awesome. And you know what? I appreciate the the uh, audience for being here. So let's uh, let's go right off the report. And make sure it's something hard hitting for them. Before we start, do I need to let you screen share, or are you just going to go ahead and read? Oh, wow. Sure. If, if you want to screen share, if you guys are able to put the report up as well, that's fine. Any way you want to do it, brother. Yeah, I got it up right here. I'm, I'm following along. OK, actually, perfect, yeah, perfect. it'll be easier for me to edit uh, afterwards if I just throw it on after the fact. So I'm going to follow along on the notes that you sent me as well. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds good. OK, gentlemen. So let's begin with a brief history. So although you may think that Elvis Presley performing a duet with Celine Dion in 2009, Tupac performing in Coachella at 2012, or Michael Jackson performing at the Billboard Awards in 2014 were the first instances of high-tech holograms being used for commercial purposes, history teaches us that this is not the case at all. In fact, holography, which is the study or production of holograms, was used during the Victorian era, especially in the, I'm sorry, specifically in the year 1862, over 150 years ago. And the concept was first conceived over 500 years ago by an Italian scholar living in Naples during the Renaissance. 
Now, the earliest known description of this effect was published by scientist Giambattista della Porta in 1584. Della Porta wrote about an illusion titled, How We May See in a Chamber Things That Are Not. His works on optics led to severe difficulties with ecclesiastical censorship, and he remained under lifelong surveillance by the Inquisition. I wonder if did they did they think he was like uh, practicing black magic and, and shit like that? One hundred and ten percent. You know, any of of the scholars or any of these scientists at that time, that's what they thought they were practicing black magic, uh, witchcraft, uh, mysticism and all this kind of stuff. So they were immediately discredited. Uh, those were the truth hooligans of the earlier histories, and they were immediately attacked by the uh, powers that be at that time. And that's similar to, I don't know if it was this, I forget that one uh, physician. There was that physician, remember back, uh, uh, I think it was early 1800s, that he came out with like, hey man, before after we before and after we do surgery, we should wash our hands and wash the instruments. And they're like, you're insane, man. Like, what the, like, you're insane. What do you mean wash your hands? And then he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it stops, uh, you know, killing people. And like, you know, it can, get, instead of having a 50% chance, I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's that Sam... Sam Wessey, I'm not sure how to say his name, but um, yeah, you got to look into that. Oh, you have to just look up like the first doctor to wash his hands, man. It's- <laughs> That'll be a good inquiry. Exactly. <laughs> you, you would think like now that would be common knowledge, but at the time, like they wouldn't even wash the instruments, you know, they would just be like, oh, here's one birth. And this was from, he figured it out like, man, why are, why are all the mothers dying when they're giving mm-hmm. birth? And he's like, I don't know. And then he's like, he washes hands and washes instruments. He's like, hey, man. And they were like, you're insane. They literally locked him up in an insane asylum uh, because of that. Oh, my gosh. That's so fucking dumb. I'm telling you, man, he's absolutely right. I mean, they gave these guys lobotomies, mm-hmm. you know, ancient lobotomies where they, you know, oh, it, it, just incredible. But you hit that nail on the head there, Sean. <clears throat> so now, as if this is not already a fascinating historical fact. I want to ask the readers if they've ever heard of the projection technique known as Pepper's Ghost. Now, this term refers to the work of the famous English professor, John Henry Pepper, who used hologram technology to create illusions of ghosts on stage. Now, John Pepper was born in Britain in 1821 and primarily remembered for expanding on the prior work of English engineer Henry Dirks. Now, Dirks was born in 1806 and is considered to have been the main designer of holographic projection. Now, his work on perpetual motion was known as the Dirksian Phantasmagoria. Now, the Dirksian Phantasmagoria was an illusion that used reflective glass perpendicular to the theater floor, reflecting the actors directly under the audience. Now, Pepper would tilt the glass at a 45 degree angle and hid the actors in a pit in front of the audience. He demonstrated the effect during a scene from Charles Dickens' The Haunted Man and basically built a large scale version of Dirk's original concept. So essentially, Pepper built his invention off of the prior work of Henry Dirks because he saw just how phenomenal this was, how entranced and enthralled the theater goers of the time were. Another uh, known fact that at the time, seances, mysticism, and uh, the dark arts were a big thing amongst rich societies. No surprise there, considering what we know now. But this was a huge thing. So whenever there was uh, an advertisement or a performer who did these spectral um, uh scientific uh, performances, people were entranced. They paid big money to go and sit down and, and essentially be scared to death. And the Dirksian Phantasmagoria is a great early example of that. <clears throat> and we still do that today. 
We still do that today, brother. And it all ties into this hologram uh, agenda and the push to normalize and standardize um, holographic technology, which will continue to go in. And I wonder if it really got like a lot more membership for like the occults, because like, think about it, like you can trick the common person, especially people that weren't necessarily at a lot of these things. And you see like, oh, these are ghosts or you can really make uh, things seem evil. Or like I've been talking a lot to people uh, um, and telling them, like, I think people give too much credence to Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him. Um, I think they may, they may, oh man, my life's messed up because you know, the devil or the, and I'm like, no, he's not. I'm like, he's not even that powerful. I was like, he can persuade you. Uh, he can trick you, but really it's all, you know what I mean? You got God, you're good, bro. Like, you know what I mean? He's going to guide you through whatever you don't, you don't got to worry about it. But I think things like this were, is how it was able for people to be like, look how powerful the devil is. Look how for powerful sure. Lucifer is. And I think these are little tricks that, that, that put that into people's head. And then 150 years later, you know, little by little, it seeds into our brains. You hit that nail on the head, Sean, especially considering what what is one of the titles of Lucifer, the great deceiver. Yep. And so that's that's two nails, Sean. Before before we end the show, Sean is going to have a whole treehouse built. <laughs> You're going to have to get we're the building, nail. We're building the house, fellas. We're building the house. Yeah. <laughs> if you build it, they will come. Yes, sir. All right. <clears throat> So more than 200 years after the writings of John Battista della Porta, Dirks developed the Dirksian Phantasmagoria, making ghosts appear on stage. Now, ghostly presence effects of Phantasmagoria shows were historical precursors to immersive theater. At the time, these spectral illusions were considered terrifying stage effects. John Pepper then quickly expanded on this method, and it was thereafter and permanently tied to his name. Dirks and Pepper would eventually have a joint patent on the earliest version of this technology. Now, despite earlier scientists like Dirks and Pepper developing concepts for creating holographic images, it wasn't until 1947 that the term hologram was used to identify these methods. A Hungarian British engineer and physicist by the name of Dennis Gabor coined the term hologram while working to improve the, rev the resolution, excuse me, of an electron microscope. He used the Greek words holos, meaning whole, and gramma, meaning message, to describe what he had found, thus paving the way for the standardization of hologram to describe the technology. Gabor would eventually go on to receive a Nobel Prize for his works in the fields of electrical engineering and physics. So these were really uh, smart guys at the time. Now, the field of holography was further expanded upon by the invention of the laser in 1960 by Russian scientists Nikolai Basov and Alexander Prokhorov. Now, Basov and Prokhorov had read Gabor's paper and decided to duplicate his technique. Subsequently, by 1962, they had successfully transmitted the first laser 3D hologram of a toy train and bird. Now, these transmission holograms produced images with clarity and realistic depth, but required laser light to view the holographic image. Their pioneering work led to the evolution of the equipment used to make holograms. So these Russian scientists essentially expanded on Gabor's work and decided, you know what, we are going to uh, enhance uh, um, his theory and we're going to produce an image that's way better than his. And it worked, but they could only produce those images using a laser of the standard wavelength, right? Whereas we'll learn uh, in uh, a little while after that, they were able to get white light holograms, which can be, you know, viewed in your living room. And we'll get into an example of what that is too. But once you uh, 
show the readers the pictures here, you'll see the first successful 3D hologram, um, which Prokhorov and Basov developed in 1962. And again, it's an image of a train with a bird sitting on top of the uh, engineer's pit, uh, engineer's uh, cockpit. Now, following Basov and Prokhorov's work was the second attempt at producing holographic images by Professor Emmett Leaf and research scientist Juris Yipatniks at the University of Michigan. These men would develop a unique approach to holography called carrier frequency, later known as off-axis holography. Now, this new technique allowed for a 3D holographic image to be indistinguishable from the original object, indistinguishable. The startlingly, the startlingly excuse me, realistic clarity of the three-dimensional holograms gave holography an appeal that reached outside of the domain of the specialist and called worldwide attention to this formerly esoteric subject. Now, this is very interesting here because as you know, in the 60s, what was happening between us and the Soviets? Cold War. The Cold War. And it was essentially a race for technology. Now, whatever the history books teaches us about the space race and about this whole nuclear thing, they were, there was actually much more going on at the time. And it was a race to develop technologies, different types of technologies. And so when you had these private inventors and engineers and physicists come out with these inventions, they were likely approached by members of the military. Now, even if that approach wasn't outright, you had these secretive groups, right, mm -hmm. with um, military purposes that would go out and visit these exposition centers and go out and read their work and visit them at the laboratories and literally see if that technology can somehow be developed into a military application. Right so now, again, do I'm you sorry, think that do you think that all these um, <clears throat> all the technologies that they were discovering like through the fifties up until now, um, a lot of people subscribe to um, interdimensional beings or even uh, different races and stuff like that that were giving us these technologies. But at the same time, you're from what you're saying, we actually had true geniuses that were human that were um, coming up with these things. Was it only humans, or do you think that we actually had help from? things we're not really sure about? Great question, brother. Absolute great question. So you guys are already familiar with uh, the start of World War II. That's when we fought Hitler. Now there's theories going around right now with some pretty compelling uh, uh, positions that Adolf Hitler actually sold the human race out to a species of aliens in return for technology. Okay, and this is why he was uh, a, a lot of his missions or a lot of the Nazi regime's missions was to go after ancient artifacts and, and uh, artifacts that were said to have uh, magical powers or other otherworldly powers. So you are absolutely right. Now, if this was happening in the 40s and we're inventing holograms in the 60s, then it, it's not beyond the realm of speculation that maybe some of that technology was channeled through our human scientists from other beings. And uh, one of the greatest books I ever read, Behold a Pale Horse by yep. William H. Cooper, mm -hmm. this book right here outlines just that. In fact, by the, time, um, by the time the first hologram was shown to the American military, uh, we already had species of aliens living here uh, on Earth, um, subterranean, uh, whoever visited from the other realm, uh, crashed into Nevada, or, you know, all that stuff. Uh, I did the species that Eisenhower met, 
all that's relatable. Uh, that just tells us that uh, there were people here or things here. Beings or Lazar, here you know were. what I mean? Bob Lazar. Like, I mean, he's even been out. Like, he was considered, like, insane. But, like, the, they found like, with that element 15, like, you know, like, they've actually come out and said stuff. So, like, he was talking about that, like, in the 80s, you know? And, oh, yeah. and nobody, when nobody knew who it, who it was or what it was. Yeah. That doesn't even exist. That doesn't even exist. And let me tell you, just like what the Inquisition did to Gian Battista della Porta in, in the 1500s, they immediately tried to discredit Bob Lazar. And Bob Lazar's mm -hmm. information was, was phenomenal. I mean, this guy had drawings, schematics, details of reverse engineering, alien technology. And then look, in our time, he's on, he's on the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. You guys catch that? Oh yeah. oh yeah yeah for sure so i mean i mean I'm, I'm so glad that that he actually came out of the woodwork again and that he's fucking still alive it is it is very questionable that he is still alive though i mean not questionable very, very that true. he is alive it's questionable why he's still alive why are yeah. they letting him agreed. talk agreed because, because that book agreed. you just held up but mm -hmm. by william cooper cooper he's gone because he's he, gone, brother. he said too much way too much Way too, just but, this book but he outlined everything though, because like it's funny that you pulled that book up. I was just listening to uh, yesterday macroaggressions with Charlie Robinson, and he was talking about uh, the pale white horse and and just kind of going over some of the things and how it's relevant today. Like you know, getting rid of meat. Like he's like, if we were talking about this in the nineties, there's he's like, even three four years ago, I might not subscribe to it as much. I mean, he. He's like, yeah, I did listen to, you know, and I believe this, but I can understand that people not, oh, we're going to eat bugs. That's crazy. You know what I mean? Get rid of meat out of the diet. There's no way that's going to happen. And, and that it, now we were like, oh, man, wow. He was like super like on point, man, like beyond like what we could have thought when you even first read it. Now in the last three years, you're like, man, this is even more on point than I originally thought. I'm going to have to go back and read it because I think it's been like five or six years since I've read that book. Oh, yeah. If you read it yeah. again, get the audio. I'll send you the audio book. That's what like for me, like I'm always working. So I do a lot of audio books. And uh, mm -hmm. man, I'm telling you, you'll be like, wow, man, like he was on on task, bro, like beyond like uh, 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 of what we would think because of everything that's going on. He's pretty much laid it out for us. And, and if you look at it, it's exactly what's happening. Yeah, I, I would Absolutely. have to say that just from what I remember, his batting average is way better than uh, Alex Jones. <laughs> well, remember, he didn't like Alex Jones. Remember, he went after him, remember? There was a Absolutely big, like, right. he, he called him a fake and a phony, and and uh, yeah. he that he was a guy that was, like, kind of just riling people up in the wrong reasons. That's where, that's where it kind of split from Alex Jones, like, the, a lot of the older conspiratorial heads were like, I don't know, like, you know, people that really like were into Bill Cooper and his show and his book, mm -hmm. uh, they, they really don't look at Alex Jones the same. And then, you know, there's well, that old conspiracy that he's Bill Hicks. So, well, no, that's, that's not true. Cause wow. there's pictures of them during this. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, um, James brings up a fucking very valid point. James from we, the people radio, whenever Alex Jones is brought up, he always says, how does somebody go into Bohemian Grove and, and film it and live to talk about it? Oh yep. shit. Great point. Great yeah, point. that's what me and Joel were talking about recently too. Yeah, it's just like, it's it's true. Like, how did you get in there? And then like you got the tape out, and then you put it out everywhere that everybody knows that you did it, and then you're still mm -hmm. alive. 
But I want to go back to where you were talking about how, like, in the Cold War, you know, like, we were fighting for technologies. To correlate that now, we are still doing that. That's what's going on with China and going on with Russia as well. Like, a mm -hmm. lot of people were talking about, you know, the Russia and the Ukraine thing, but people don't realize that Russia is leading the way in biometrics uh, identification. And then uh, China is really neck and neck with us with our artificial intelligence. So I really think that that's good that you brought that up because it's really you know, just uh, that where they say history repeats itself. It's it's constantly yes. going over and over again. Yes, and there is nothing new under the sun, my guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's a quote right out of the Bible, isn't it? <laughs> you got it, brother. <laughs> you got it, brother. So let's continue on here um, with regard to uh, Leith and Upatniks, who were able to improve the work of uh, Basov and Prokhorov, the Russian scientists who developed the, later, uh, the laser in the 60s. Um, these guys' results were so brilliant on enhancing that previous uh, holographic image, <clears throat> so much so that optical scientists and engineers lined the corridors of the exposition center where the work was displayed, waiting patiently to see the 3D images that were unprecedented in their realism. And uh, once you guys get this uh, photo up, you'll see uh, a difference between the very first holographic image and yeah. then the enhanced holographic image um, produced by uh, Leith and, and Upatniks. Drastically different. Like the other one looked like a lot more um, like a bad photo. Like this one looks like yeah. crisp. Like you could tell yeah. like this is th th such an improvement. Absolutely. There, it looks like you still can always like a, a coloration, you know, with the greens or a, a, even still with the holographs that we see today. Um, I mean, I don't know. I've, I, I posted a while back a picture or a picture, a video of uh, an auditorium where there was whales uh, swimming in the air around. However, the more that I dug into that, it, they're actually helium um, remote controls. This was a, a concert. This was a concert of a band. And you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, White Rabbit, I posted the same video, right? And I actually took it down because then I watched it on the 70 inch screen and you could see propellers, drone propellers on the dolphins. So right there, I'm like, you know what? I can't sit here and tell people that these are holograms when I myself can see propellers on these damn dolphins. Even if a portion of the show um, used holographic technology, it, it wasn't enough for me to base this entire argument of, you know, holograms and, and the development and advancement of holograms if we have fucking helium balloons with propellers floating around in the audience. So absolutely right. Thank you for bringing that up. Good point. And what about the hologram zoos? Isn't there one in like uh, Japan, I believe, the 7D um, uh, hologram zoo where you can like, it looks like you're petting a tiger or whatever. And, and you could see the, the technology. It's even like in Times Square now, like where they have in a lot of other big cities where they have their billboards jumping out mm -hmm. and, and looking very realistic. And would mm -hmm. you say that some of the hologram is kind of um, maybe not preparing us for it or predictive programming, but like 3D, you know what I mean? 3D mm -hmm. is kind of similar technology and maybe that kind of got that out there as well. You know, like it was very basic, but it's that colors, uh, that color coded scheme where it can seem like it's popping out. Like then now then the IMAX and the, the improvement from that. Well, a good mm -hmm. thing about, well, not good thing, but the mo more incredible thing about the hologram is one, it was, it was fucking invented like so much, uh, so long ago but with a uh, 3D, you still have to wear fucking glasses to be true. Able to, yeah, true. 
And and with these holograms, I mean, I'm sure we're going to get into Tupac and, and Coachella and all that shit eventually. So mm-hmm. I'm sorry for talking so much, man. Go ahead and jump back into it. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, brother. That's what we're here for, man. Each one, teach one. We're ready to go. This is the White Rabbit Podcast, brother. This is what we do. Whoop, whoop. So <clears throat> it's not hard to imagine that at this point, the military industrial complex would and could have commandeered this technology to develop real world military applications. Of course, this would have been heavily scrutinized by members of the public at the time, and so it was likely decided that further research into any potential military application would become clandestine and swept up into black projects hidden from the prying eyes of the general public. One scientist would, in fact, be approached by the military because of his breakthroughs in hologram technology, and I'll briefly explain that in the coming paragraphs. Okay. Now, in 1968, Dr. Stephen Benton, who was a professor of applied optics at Harvard University, began working on the rainbow hologram at the laboratories of the Polaroid Corporation. Now, rainbow holograms were designed to be viewed under white light illumination rather than laser light, which was needed before this. An example of this type of hologram is commonly seen as the dove on the Visa card. Dr. Benton would go on to patent several methods and devices for projecting and recording holographic stereograms. And through his work, Benton would perfect the production of pseudo color holograms. Now this technology would create 3D computer generated designs. Dr. Benton would also invent and patent interactive holographic video systems, which would allow users to be able to interact and change an electronic holographic image. Several years later, in 1972, an American physicist by the name of Lloyd Cross would develop holographic technology to produce moving 3D images, effectively combining holography and cinematography. And this is where it starts to get nuts. Now, these took holograms. So, so <clears throat> there wasn't moving holograms uh, before then, because I, when I read through this last night and mm-hmm. uh, you were talking about the original guy that was using it for uh, entertainment purposes to create ghosts on stage. I, uh, mm-hmm. I just assumed that they were moving. Am I wrong in that? So very great question. Now, remember, the Dirksian Phantasmagoria was set up so that there were live actors underneath the audience in a pit and those images were reflected off of a glass. So those earlier guys who were using hologram technology were essentially banking on the people in the audience not seeing this super clear and clean fucking glass. Gotcha. (laughs) And they had smoke and all kind of effects that would basically just hypnotize the people. And they thought that they were seeing uh, moving holograms. Great point. Thanks for bringing that up, brother. Now, several years later, in 1972, an American physicist by the name of Lloyd Cross would develop holographic technology. And again, this made uh, this brought holograms from being still to moving. Now, his most famous work in this form was a hologram of a woman that appeared to wink and blow a kiss at the viewer as they walked past. And this was titled The Kiss, circa 1973. Um, There's a a, a playable video included in the report there um, for when you're able to share with the audience. Now, with this breakthrough enhancement to holography, Cross's research was targeted for military application. It's reported that he did not want to be a part of it. And because of this, he left Michigan's Cranbrook Academy Laboratory and founded the Multiplex Corporation with the sole intention of further developing his holographic techniques and to find commercial applications. Cross also founded the San Francisco School of Holography in the early 70s. Now, I want to stop there for a second because... It's reported that Lloyd Cross 
wanted nothing to do with the military and their intentions to use his technology to form or develop some kind of military application. But I mean, we're a group of skeptical people. Uh, we're no longer going to accept the narrative. And based on what we've learned and seen now, it's highly likely that the multiplex corporation and or the San Francisco School of Holography was actually funded as a black project through the military to continue developing and enhancing holographic technology based on Lloyd Cross's work. Now, we can definitely delve into that possibility uh, in a later show, in a later podcast, in a later report, and I would love to do that. But this is something to absolutely think about. Again, it can be reported that he said no, but I mean, come on, the military can be very persuasive. And I highly doubt that in the 70s, during the flower power era, uh, these scientists just wanted to go off on their own and not have anything to do with the military. That's, uh, or like I, you said, I, I, then they could be uh, uh, infiltrated. Like there's definitely intelligence agents. You can get somebody that's close to them. You get a chick that's 100%, like, hey, man, I love holograms. Mm -hmm. Like I'll get naked for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's how most of the things are happening in this world. You know, some naked girl and you're like, wow, man, she stole all my secrets. I don't know, but it was good, man. Like, I'm just, <laughs> it's kind of worth it. Fang, fang. <laughs> fang, fang. I mean, I mean, Stan that's San Francisco was the hub of, of fucking getting people to do things because of girls and shit, especially during the acid um, MK yeah. ultra fucking shit that they oh, were doing yeah, the, there. Yep. LSD experimentation. You're absolutely right, man. You're absolutely right. So it's not beyond the realm of speculation that it was reported. He didn't want anything to do with it, but the companies that he went ahead and developed were actually black projects. Well, it was reported that Bill Clinton didn't get a blowjob from fucking Monica. <laughs> so. <laughs> but I was right. It was. <laughs> Everything you put together is perfect because, like, I do think, like, uh, I'm into the paranormal and all that stuff. But I do, I've always said that I think humans don't get enough credit for what we can do. And, and this putting everything together proves, like, from the beginning of the technology where we're using mirrors and, and, and glass and people mm -hmm. to how it progressed shows a pattern that we are capable of doing things. Mm -hmm. And that's why it makes sense that Tesla was able to make the cell phone and make these, uh, you know, the free energy and all the et cetera, et cetera, stuff that he's done that it wasn't just information like given to us by a foreign being. Like, I think there are other things I believe in other dimensions, but I just think that we also don't give enough credit to human beings. I think human beings can create stuff. And that's why there's evil ass motherfuckers that really, yeah. you know, change it too. that. There's also those people that will come and use it for nefarious reasons. And when you say for the military, it kind of brings me up to the uh, Korean war and the Korean war, there was a psychological operation that they did, uh, the U.S. military, where at the time the technology wasn't as, you know, as great, but they had speakers, right? And they knew this little village was afraid of vampires. So they put these little speakers and it basically now to us, it would be like one of those ghost records, like, ooh, like, you know right. what I mean? Like we would just Like laugh, when you walk up to say trick or treat. Yeah, stuff, right? but imagine not knowing that technology. If you have never seen it and you have no idea and you already fear, you know, certain things in these woods it really it made them surrender so like these technologies are very useful to the military for those reasons because a lot of people have not been experienced you know have not experienced that at all like we have seen holograms but if you put a hologram or something in the 50s uh, uh the 40s the 60s even the 70s in a military uh, a setting where you're in somewhere where it has a, it, it's a tribe or a small village that doesn't have very high technology you're, you're able to push them in any direction you want 
Exactly. And I want I want our fellow truthers and conspiracy junkies to remember what Sean just said, because we're going to get into a bigger, bigger scheme of that later on in this episode of how that can be applied. And uh, mm-hmm. I know a lot of truthers and conspiracy junkies already know what we're going to get into, but I'll, I'll keep it a secret for now. <laughs> so with that, fellas, uh, let's continue on now. Undoubtedly, the historical progression of holographic technology has been consistent spanning seven centuries and there has only been steady and increased effort in expanding earlier works during the present age. From the writings of Giambattista della Porta to the breakthrough discoveries of Gabriel Lippmann, Dennis Gabor, Lloyd Cross, you can be absolutely assured that the modern era will, and more than likely has already yielded powerful examples of holographic technology that offer no differentiation between fantasy and reality. In the next section, we'll highlight examples of the development and use of distinct types of holographic technology. Um, before we do that, though, and and kind of really quickly, I hate to backtrack it a bit, but Sean, you mentioned um, the uh, boys who fought over in Korea. Now, I, I come from a military family. Uh, I backed the military, especially the guys with fucking balls that uh, didn't allow themselves to get the jibber jabber juice. Um, my great grandfather fought with the 65th. He was part of the 82nd Airborne Division. He was a sergeant first class, so a real fucking badass. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, God bless the people who fought, uh, you know, in that war. Uh, the forgotten sacrifices. war. Yeah, and and the families of those people as well. So thanks, thanks for doing that, brother. Yeah, so, it's a um, forgotten war. I talk about it a lot, man. It's when you say that me and my boss talk about because we're always like. Like I have my own thing about the military uh, uh, industrial complex. And, and I always tell people, man, I separate the two. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, somebody mm-hmm. that y- you don't know where you're going. You're just going because I love bravery. But the thing that's the worst is that like the Korean war is complete. It's not even over. The, the war is not even officially over. It's at a truce. And so, mm-hmm. so we're at a truce. So it can pop off at any moment that people don't realize that. And it's just so it's, boggles my mind that they don't even talk about it and any pretty much anybody that i've talked to from my daughter to other people's kids i'm like oh have you heard of the korean war they're like oh i never heard of it like i'm like they don't teach that in school like you there's only like two movies ever made of it that's what's crazy so it it is a it is the forgotten war and that and it's the reason why there's a south and a north korea like people don't even Mm -hmm. realize that But mm-hmm. for sure, yeah, absolutely right. I got a, a bunch of uh, buddies of mine. Um, their dads and stuff were dads and grandpas were in that, and and mm-hmm. I and I always like to bring it up because I think it's something that people don't know about. Absolutely right, and and uh, another interesting fact is uh, so I'm Puerto Rican. My father was born on the island. Um, my mother's Puerto Rican. Grandparents are Puerto Rican, and uh, so the 65th Regiment uh, that fought in Korea was a segregated unit of Puerto Rican soldiers, and um, you know. Heavy, heavy they, they were treated with heavy racism at the time. Uh, you know, fellow soldiers didn't even want to go into battle with them. And they turned out to be real badasses. Uh, mm-hmm. They turned the tides, turned the tides in many battles. So, um, you know, just just absolutely incredible for that to be a forgotten part of history. And I'm glad that even for a brief second, we're able to uh, reflect on that. And definitely, um, you know, good, good deal. Good deal. Look at Sean. His so, runs today. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you, he didn't, he didn't he didn't get tired at all at work today, huh? All right, so um, 
we'll start to get into uh, some specific types of hologram technology, guys. And again, I think it's important to uh, understand some of these specific types that have been developed only because uh, it gives the audience and, and uh, the truthers out there um, a bit of understanding as to the progression of it. And then it ties into some really profound information in the coming sections. So since early discoveries in optics and visual manipulation of people and objects, there have been many variations in holography and holographic technology, each version expanding on earlier breakthroughs. Now, every new achievement aimed to enhance both the practical functionality and realism of a holographic image. And in this section, we'll highlight the distinct parts of holography. Now, let's begin with the Denisyuk reflection hologram, which is named after its inventor, Yuri Denisyuk. This type of hologram is created with a single beam of laser light that is shown through the hologram surface and then bounces off of an object back onto the hologram surface. Denisyuk's invention was inspired by the earlier work of Gabriel Littman, who is credited with inventing a color photography technique known as interferential color photography. An example of Denisyuk's hologram can be seen in an image included in the report. Now, another type of holography is called pseudo color reflection technology, and we briefly mentioned that with regard to Dr. Benton in a previous section. This is essentially a hologram that has two or more individually created color holographic images, all recorded using one laser of a particular wavelength. When put together, these lasers form a full or multicolored image. Scientists John Kaufman and Inyaki Bergerstein are well known for their work in this area of holography and examples of their work can also be seen in images included in this report. Now, another type of holographic technology is called laser viewable transmission holograms, which allow for a nearly perfect reconstruction of an optical field. The recreations generated can appear with surreal depth and sharpness. Unlike other types of holography, the most extensive work with this type of technology was done by an artist by the name of Paula Dawson. She's worked extensively with laser viewable transmission and is highly skilled at creating near concrete sense of physical presence. An example of her work is also shown in images included in the report. And as you can see, guys, it's, it's quite compelling. Yeah, it has, you know, basically uh, two, three colors, black, red, and orange, but it looks like you're looking through a lens into a room into an mm -hmm. actual room that exists somewhere. You can pick up a bottle, you can have a seat, you can walk through doors, and this is all illusion. This is all fake, right? So imagine adding some color to this picture, modern day contemporary coloring. You would think that you're looking at an actual room. So that's incredible there. Now, another type of holography that we are already familiar with is called the rainbow holograms. And again, we touched up briefly on this with Dr. Benton, who's credited with inventing the rainbow hologram. An example of this is actually found in your wallet, in my wallet, and uh, it's where the dove symbol uh, is on the Visa card. That's considered a rainbow hologram. Stephen Benton's credited, again, with the most substantial work in the development of this type of holographic image. And rainbow holograms can be viewed under white light, while other traditional forms of hologram need to be imaged using illumination of the same wavelength. <clears throat> now, examples of rainbow holograms are also shown in this report, and there's some images included there for you guys. Do you guys remember the baseball cards in every package you'd get a hologram yep. card? Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> that was hey. always my favorite card. <laughs> oh, he's going to go grab one. No, no, I'm not. I'm not pulling those out, man. Oh, <laughs> I need to get some light again. 
All right, so we'll continue on, guys. So pulse laser holography was developed in 1960 by Dr. T.H. Maiman of the Hughes Aircraft Corporation. Uh, you'll remember Hughes, I think uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, uh, great sea captain Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, starred in a movie about Howard Hughes' life and the Aircraft Corporation. Yep. So T.H. Maiman was a scientist who worked for the Hughes Corporation and developed pulse laser holography. Now, this particular type of holography uses a powerful pulse laser to emit an ultra short flash of light, which allows the motion of live subjects to be frozen, thus appearing as if they're at rest. And there's also some examples of that particular work created by artist Anna Marie Nicholson in the uh, report as well. Now, another remarkably interesting and personally profound type of holograph or holography is called holographic interferometry. Now, although Jurishu Patniks made substantial discoveries and enhancements to this type of holography, its discovery is a result of the work done by Carl Stetson and Robert Powell. Holographic interferometry uses optical waves to detect small variations in form. With applications in industrial non-destructive texting, uh, uh, testing, excuse me, it uses a double laser pulse to show the movements of breath and blood under the skin. And examples of this can be found in images that I've included in the report as well, which were created by Sally Weber in 2006. Now, <clears throat> going on, a well-known type of holography, which was also discussed earlier in the report, is known as multiplex holography, and that was developed by Lloyd Cross in 1972. Now, multiplexing is a technique of recording multiple holographic exposures across the surface of the primary hologram. And by transferring a multiplexed master, a final print can produce animation and depth perception by parallax as the viewer moves around. Uh, you just mentioned a version of this with the uh, the old baseball cards or the old Fleer cards. Motherfucker! You know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I had I uh, my my phone went uh, black, so I had to open it back up. Sorry. Uh, just got a note. I just saw a fucking notification from Podbean that. My show, our show just got taken off of fucking Spotify. Fuck you, Spotify. Really? Yeah, fuck. For what, though? Here, should I open it? Because I just saw the mother of all. You fuckers don't like truth. No, That's not really at all, man. I'm, I'm, t Jesus. Hello, you this... said your pod, your Podbean hosted podcast to Spotify via Podbean's pass through program. Spotify had no has notified us that they have removed your podcast due to it violating their content requirements related to music. Please, because uh, I put a fucking song oh, at the end of every yeah, show. Yeah. But yeah, the one that's a copyright copywritten song. Yeah, especially because of oh, a music shit. platform. You know what I mean? You can get away with that a lot more on Apple because like uh, theirs are separated with Apple Music and Apple Podcast. All right. I have a template. I, I have a template for a disclaimer that I'm going to email you after this that you should uh, try to attach to as much of that shit that you put on as possible because this is this is horseshit, man. Prime example of the big tech oligarchy and big tech censorship, viewers. Prime example. All right, I didn't mean to interrupt. That just fucking. I, that no, was, no I, worries, brother. I, I thought I fucking said something wrong here. No, I thought you got. I thought he was excited about the uh, uh, the baseball hologram. I was like, he's like, I got it, yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. He's like, I didn't know. I was I was underwear too. I was like, yeah, you did get it. <laughs> I can eat a bowl of dick, Spotify. Hell <laughs> yeah, a couple fucking bowls, man. Sent this, unbelievable, unbelievable. 
podcasting <clears throat> 2.0. That's why uh, podcasting yeah, 2.0. That's the 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 apps you got to get on. And everybody, if you are doing a podcast, get run your podcast through RSS.com. RSS feed is the best to go through. Uh, what those what picture, as well? What picture um, am I looking for to catch up? The winking, okay. uh, kissing girl. Okay. Yeah. So 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 we're at Pam Brazier. Um, mm-hmm. All right, I'm I'm back on on page, guys. Sorry <laughs> about the interruption. <laughs> no, no worries, brother. So we were actually uh, just finishing up about the multiplexing technique of holography, uh, which was founded by Lloyd Cross. A famous example of this can be found in uh, images called the Kiss One, moving images called the Kiss One and the Kiss Two. And again, these are images that appear uh, to have a woman blowing a kiss at the viewer as they pass the hologram. Now, this was a huge rage at the time. And again, because of this development or enhancement to to holography, Lloyd Cross uh, was approached by the military. And these are the reasons why. So now, as you are all abundantly aware of, the science of holography and the advancements made in the technology of creating holographic images has evolved rapidly and dramatically. Are we near the peak of what can be achieved? For instance, the metaverse in its current stage has the ability to provide virtual cadavers that can be studied by students in medical school before they ever lay hands on an actual human patient. With several centuries of study in this field and with research done by the greatest minds in electrical engineering and physics, are our knowledge and pursuits still considered the preliminary stages? Now, regardless of your answer, I predict that sometime in the extremely near future, the use of holographic technology will permeate every facet of life and future generations will have access to far more advanced technology as easily and as readily as cell phones have become today. Now, the following section will highlight examples of holographic technology in cinema and will provide a basis for my position that by promoting this level of technology within the public sector and through the modicum of television and cinema, the powers that be are gauging how easily the public can be conditioned to accept fantasy as reality. When the public becomes unable to discern whether what is seen is real or imitation, we will truly become slaves, forced to live within the confines of a holographic world without even knowing it exists. The matrix will be real and inescapable. Do you think we're already there? We may be, brother. Because you uh, know that there... When uh, when Rogan had uh, Elon on and Elon, you know, put it out there that if we can get to that or first off, he asked, do you think we'll get there? And then if the answer is yes, then how do you know that we're living in the actual real physical world right now? And the chances of that is I forget the number that he said, but I, I don't know, man. I'm a I, I'm a believer in our creator and and everything that I, I don't know, everything I feel I touch like today I was working on a peeling wraps off for a friend who owns a, a, a car wrap company and my freaking muscles just stopped and my thumb like got locked. And I was like, what the hell? Like, that's not a hologram. Or is it? I mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but a I, glitch. Think, I think they're making it for us. In my opinion, it's been like that for a while. I think that um, they're building a matrix. I mean, that, that you can use a matrix in a, in a bunch of different contexts, but I build, feel they're building. It. And it's funny you say that I was just watching this uh, documentary. It's hard to get through, but I'm going to try to get through it. Um, it's called we met in virtual VR. We met in virtual reality and the entire documentary is shot in virtual reality in 2020. And it's really weird because like, there's so much going on and then it's so weird to not see anything. And you can tell like, it's, 
so messed up like how people are like walking you know they're like hey yeah, they're like and they're talking like so it's kind of like some of the scenes suck because you're just like there's just a bunch of like chaos so far like of people talking but it is really interesting and it is getting people to adapt to these technologies as far as like hey uh this is better than my real life people are like teaching mm. classes teaching sign language teaching belly dancing and and in vr so it's like whoa why yeah. wouldn't you just do that in real life but they're like ah it's easier here and and in the beginning so far you could tell a lot of the people had different disorders and that's another thing where a lot of these people in general they they push people to say they have certain disorders so then they use those as a crutch you know it's almost like those chicks mm -hmm. that are like oh sorry gemini you know double personality mm -hmm. my bad that's why i was a bitch today and you're like no man it's just that you're being a bitch like you cannot <laughs> do that like you cannot do that and like i mean you can go into all those but i think that's the same thing as people feel like hey i have these things that are making it hard for me to be social with people so uh vr is the way to go and this is definitely what they're building in my opinion well i i will say that I am interested in one aspect of VR and that is the porn aspect of <laughs> VR. <laughs> you know, if you get one of those, like those virtual hand jobs, yeah. Dick sucking machines and you got the fucking goggles on. I mean, and it's like your favorite celebrity. I don't know, man. I kind of want to, not for me, man. That. That's like going into the strip club when they asked me for a lab dance. I'm like, hell no. Like what? <laughs> Were you just going to give me all that, man? Get the hell. I need the real deal, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Well, I'm like, saying with the VR thing. <laughs> might as well eat fake gonna meat. Bust nut. Hey, if the oh, fake man. meat tastes like real meat, should we eat it? You know what I'm saying? It's like, Good point. Hey. Good point. <laughs> I, bro, I couldn't even imagine the level of embarrassment and, and just the uh, destruction I would do to my son's life if he walked in and I was banging a virtual chicken. <laughs> Or what if it gets stuck on you, man? What if like it malfunctions? It's like, and you have to go into the virtual doctor, <laughs> and he's gonna be right there, like, oh, no, man, I <laughs> oh man, you guys are sick. I love it. Strange wilderness. You ever seen Strange Wilderness when they get the uh, turkey stuck on his dick? That's oh yeah. Right. Oh man! Yeah, we took well, it listen, there, guys. <laughs> oh yeah, damn sure did. Damn sure did. I mean, it's you know the dynamic of today's world. What are you gonna do? There's, there's, <laughs> there's women. There's women that are already uh, claiming that their avatars are being raped in the metaverse. So I mean, well, take oh, your yeah, fucking man. goggles off, dumbass. <laughs> yeah, take just your goggles don't go off on and there, walk man. away. Like, <laughs> she must have obviously enjoyed reset. it. Like right? She waited till the end, right? <laughs> Hey, but what happens when this is so horrible? What happens when bitch take your goggles off? You're like one of the only people that's not in VR, you know, and you're just walking around. You're like, fuck, man, like, where's everybody? Like, you know what I mean? Well, I like <laughs> ready Player One. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> Tell me, you Ready Player One? You ever seen that yeah. movie? Oh yeah, yeah. That's what, that's and it, that's brother. that's that predictive programming that puts it into perspective for people to see what's possible. And you're right, like with the whole fantasy thing, I think. It puts us into this realm of where people want fantasy more than they want reality. Like, that's why yes. people are like, oh, reality's tough. It's hard. And they don't appreciate what that builds. Like, I used to tell people, because my dad died when I was 12, and I used to be pissed. I used to hate God. I would be like, oh, fuck you, God. Like, da, da, da. Now I have a whole understanding, and I'm like, wow, I wouldn't be here. Not saying that I wanted it to happen. I didn't. Like, that's not something I wanted to. But I can get those scars, and I'm like, yeah, cool. It's good. It, 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 it's, it made me who I am today, and I appreciate it. And I think people aren't appreciating that hard work value and that the scars that we get in real life, they want that cookie cutter. Everything's good. Let me just put on these goggles and, you know, everything's perfect in 
and fine. And, and then, but then you're not going to grow as a person because most people will find their strength in, in their exactly. times. You, you guys are absolutely right. So this is what's happening. And this is the war against the youth, right? Mm-hmm. In our generation, life build character. In the contemporary generation, they are building characters. Yep. It's yeah. not the same. It's no. not the same. And that's uh, that's an absolute tragedy. Um, now, with regard to what you said about people that suffer from uh, various types of handicaps uh, going into the virtual world and, and uh, living these virtual lives that essentially don't suffer from these handicaps, with the mention of Ready Player One and other movies, we're going to go into a, a section that I that I like. Uh, one primarily because I'm a cinema guy, you know. Uh, uh, my uncle, rest in peace, John, he was a big movie guy. He's the one who exposed me to movies and cinema. And then throughout my life, I was able to, to see the predictive programming of movies. And when Catalyst approached me to do this report on holography based on uh, some of the posts that I made, um, I believe early August, um, I really enjoyed putting this particular section together. Right. Yeah, so I'm excited. Gonna, I'm excited to get into this section. And and I do have a question about it, but I'm going to let you go ahead and jump into it before I ask my question. Gotcha, brother. Appreciate you. So, guys, this section is titled Holographic Technology in Cinema. <clears throat> now, by now, it is likely that we can all point to a movie or television show where the use of holographic technology is built into the plot or synopsis. Personally, the first example I remember was watching the movie Star Wars and seeing R2-D2 project Princess Leia's holographic message asking for the help of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm going to stop you again. Go ahead, brother. Do you think that that was an actual hologram when they filmed that? Or do you think that that was after effects after the fact? Great, great question. So I believe that it was the earliest stage of special effects um, within the movie production uh, realm. uh, But I can't say for sure. Okay. What's your take on it? I mean, I don't know, man. It it looks like a legit hologram. And Mm -hmm. uh, um, the special effects, even in Star Wars, as groundbreaking as they were for back then, um, just are are not they don't they don't hold water to the hologram uh, scene in that movie. Mm. So I kind of always thought that it was an actual real hologram. So let me ask you this. Do you remember off off the top you know, off, off top, uh, when this star Wars movie came out, it was in the seventies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Late seventies, I believe was well, 72 or, Oh, is it early seventies? Okay. I know my dad used to say he would ride his bike to, I don't know if that was for sure. Every I just day to watch it. But, um, I, I mean, I was born in 80, so everything was new to me. <laughs> <laughs> so star Wars was likely a movie produced 1977, in the 70s. 1977. So that was already five years after Lloyd Cross developed his holographic technology, which mm-hmm. essentially took took um, still holographic images to moving holographic images and merged holography and cinematography. So, I mean, five years, that to me, and, and again, this was Lloyd Cross that it was reported that he didn't want anything to do with military and the military wanting his technology for some sort of application. So five years after he said no and develops the multiplex corporation to find ways to uh, enhance his techniques, you get Star Wars, which is compelling um, special effects using holograms at that time. So it it likely was special effects. To put into perspective, think about, 
what the cell phones were five years ago. You know what I mean? Like you said, so once the technology comes out, it's a lot easier to add on to it. So five mm-hmm. years ago, like the iPhone, the first iPhone generations compared to now, you know what I mean? Like that's, it's drastically mm-hmm. night and day. Oh, yeah. time's, sure. going, time's going by a, a little different from you. Cause I think it was about 10 years ago when iPhone first came out, brother. No, no. I'm saying like five years ago, just the phone. No, not the first iPhone. I'm saying like, Generation three, four. I think like like five years ago was like generation three or four or something like that. I'm just saying, no, even like I, I know I had a seven, about four, seven, whatever. I'm just saying, right? If you take five the years ago, that cell phone compared to take a seven compared to a twelve now, or a seven compared to a thirteen, it, it's completely different. The processors, uh, the cameras, everything. Like mm-hmm. I think, and then five years before that, and five years before that, you see what I'm saying, like. If you could see how fast technology can go with cell phones, imagine the same thing can happen with uh, holograms as well. This is totally off subject. Well, not quite off subject. It's off subject of holograms. But I remember when I first got an iPhone, I got the iPhone 3 was my first one. And um, I was I was always like thinking to myself, dude, if I could just go back in time, like fucking 10 years and show this to people, they would it would blow their fucking mind. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, literally. The white supremacist in uh, the Dave Chappelle skit with Clayton Bigsby. <laughs> and when he, we, he rips his hood off and. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the best skits ever, man. That's got to be one oh, of the top man. skits of all time, man. That one's <laughs> absolutely so. So unexpected. <laughs> Get him. I'm not even going to repeat anything from that skit. Or you're yeah, canceled. otherwise, otherwise, yeah, we'll we'll get fucked up on this platform too. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so, guys, after we uh, after we touched up on um, Leia's holographic message, uh, asking for the help of Obi Wan Kenobi, um, another great scene in that movie using holograms was when Chewbacca and C three PO were playing Dejaric, which is a version of chess in the Millennium Falcon, and there's a pretty cool picture of of that uh, scene included in the report as well. Now, in later years, uh, I would watch the crew of the Starship Enterprise in Star Trek The Next Generation create entire worlds and lifelike training scenarios using the holodeck. And I was able to find some pretty cool pictures. Uh, In fact, the picture on the left here with, uh, uh, I believe, the doctor and the second in command actually shows the transition from the um, from the uh, spectral level or the base level of the holodeck to the full creation of a stadium, a futuristic stadium here. Um, So that was pretty incredible. Um, Now, many examples of the sophisticated technology would be highlighted in movies and TV throughout my life. And I'll use this section uh, to summarize some of those examples. Now, the aim here is simply to show the audience the consistent level of conditioning perpetuated on the public by mainstream media, whereby advancing the hologram agenda through TV and cinema. Now, what that agenda is, we have yet to conclude. However, it takes only an in-depth look at our present global dynamic to assume what that agenda might ultimately be. So in 1990, Arnold Schwarzenegger starred in the movie Total Recall. Now, this was based on the 1966 book by Philip K. Dick titled, We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. Now, in the film, Schwarzenegger plays Douglas Quaid, a construction worker in the year 2084, who receives an implanted memory of a fantastical adventure on planet Mars. 
He then finds his adventure occurring in reality as agents of a shadow organization try to prevent him from recovering memories of his past life as a Martian secret agent aiming to stop the tyrannical regime of a Martian dictator. Now, this particular movie was praised for its ambiguous ending, positing whether Quaid's adventures are real or fantasy. And the film has been analyzed for its themes of authoritarianism and colonialism. In 2012, the movie Minority Report starring Tom Cruise was originally intended to be the sequel for Total Recall and is also full of references of holography and superior holographic technology. Now, in summarizing this movie, guys, I want you to uh, keep in mind, right, that many of these movies have have, um, elements that have to do with holograms or virtual reality and the memory, right? Yep. Either wiping out memory, either uh, altering Predicting memory, it or or jumping to it. But one thing I think you forgot to mention about uh, the Total Recall is the three titties, man. That was like what everybody. <laughs> 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 you know that was everybody's thing. Bro, right? Everybody, yeah. like, man, you that was groundbreaking. Recall, the chick with the three titties. I went until that predictive programming comes into play. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> This fucking guy. <laughs> oh man, I, the updated version of the report is going to include that in there. Yeah, okay. I got you. No worries, no worries. <laughs> oh shit! Instant nostalgia. I remember first seeing those three things oh, myself. Man. Holy shit! I mean, that's the one thing that I took away from that movie, especially. In <laughs> that's what I was. said, man. You went to school, and everybody was like, "Man, you see Total Recall? The three titties, man." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was the first thing everybody was talking about, man. Fucking misogynist. (laughs) You toxic masculine motherfucker. Uh, Let me tell you, I I I think during the COVID, uh, didn't didn't wasn't there a photo circulating within our community of somebody actually doing that to themselves, body and hands? I think there is there's a couple people that do that is a real thing now. Like people do it. You watch Total Recall, brother. Yeah, definitely. They didn't come up with that themselves. Like at least, see the people, at least we don't got to see people with titties on their elbows or something, man. That's where it's going to get a little too... I'm like, oh, come on, man. Everybody likes a titty, but, like, man, it got to be right where it's supposed to be, man. <laughs> like, Absolutely right. Or or uh, what was it? The Sandler movie, Little Nicky, where the fucking guy oh, yeah. has the two... Oh, yeah, on his head. On his head. Uh, uh, <laughs> Nicky, he straps yeah. the bra on. <laughs> oh, and, then, and, then he walks, and then he walks in on him getting fondled and shit. <laughs> Oh yeah, that was a classic. Oh, that's a that's an underrated oh. under underrated movie, man. Hey guys, oh. <laughs> that shit's funny, man. Oh man, man. I love I forgot, movies. I forgot myself. what I was going to say. You start talking part. about three titties. Oh, I was going to say this. It is totally off subject, but Steve-O blew my mind. I don't know if you guys ever listened to Steve-O's Wild Ride. He has yeah. a podcast, and he constantly keeps mentioning that on his last tour that he does he's gonna get breast implants and tattoo a dick on his forehead i mean what can you do to top that <laughs> i thought he stopped doing drugs <laughs> <laughs> he stopped doing that particular type jeez you gotta That's imagine much, man. Man. This, this guy That's has too much brother this guy made his fame off of just doing the most incredible things. And in order to keep that going, you have to keep topping yourself. And if he wants to keep going after he gets a dick tattooed on his forehead and gets breast implants, man, I don't know what's yeah. next. He almost got beat the fuck up by Raekwon from Wu-Tang. I was there. I rocked the bells, man. Like he was all drunk and he was like, they were attributing to ODB's mom and he was there 
And then he was like, uh, uh, what's he, it called? Do like a handstand? Like, yeah, no, he dick. got naked and did a flip. And he tucked his dick or whatever. And then, like, they were like, hey, man, like, they did not appreciate that shit. Hey, but how we tell the story? Yeah, they don't fuck around. He's like, man, you need to apologize to his mom right now before I sock you in your motherfucking face. Oh, and we're all in the crowd. Yeah, fuck them all. (laughs) Yeah, you you don't do that to Wu-Tang. You remember what they did to Mace? They broke his fucking leg. Mace, yep. Pastor and, Mace and Joe and Budden Death. too. Joe Budden got socked up too. He got socked up in uh, uh, 2009, man, or I think it was 2009 at uh, Glen Helen. Glen Helen, he got socked up for talking shit, man. <laughs> you gotta be careful, man. Hey, they run hey, with listen. the gang of fucking motherfuckers. Well, they're themselves, Facts, not bro. even the people they run with. They are truly grimy <laughs> ass motherfuckers. Facts, bro. Facts. I, I kid you not. Wu Tang and D Block have been the same, remain the same, and will yep. likely continue to be the same forever, brother. Fuck with well, D Block hard too, man. Oh hell, right hell yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna forward you the link after the show. So if you guys fuck with D Block, then you'll uh all day. It'll man. be bugged. Fuck with D Block. It, it'll be bugged out for you to see me in Styles P's video a few years back. Uh, uh preseason. Oh shit, so, really? Yeah, so I was actually That's in there. Bro, party with Styles P, super down to earth, awesome fucking dude, man. Um, it was a great experience, great experience. I'll send you guys the link. It's a hell it's a yeah, send me that right away. Um, <clears throat> another thing. Oh shit. Sorry, man. I get. <laughs> now, <that> was- <laughs> start talking about three titties and all bets are off. <laughs> Derail that motherfucker real quick. <laughs> God, I blame you, Sean. I blame you, bro. <laughs> Uh, All right, so so we're we're continuing on with uh, holographic technology and cinema. Now, another movie that highlights a future where holographic technology has evolved to encompass the human cerebral cortex is the 1995 thriller starring Ralph Fiennes titled Strange Days. Now, set during the last days of 1999, it follows the experience of ex-cop Lenny Nero turned black marketeer peddling an illegal electronic device that records memories and physical sensations directly from the wearer's cerebral cortex onto a mini disc for playback. Now, Lenny is ultimately caught up in a life or death struggle against powerful forces of corruption, murder, or hell bent on keeping recordings of homicide and cover up from being exposed. However, in one scene included below, uh, Lenny passes a disc to his legless supplier that provides him with the memory and sensation of having legs and running on a beach. Now, this goes to what Sean said before about people suffering from handicap that now live in in the virtual world, uh, the metaverse world, so that they don't have to uh, suffer this with you know by using their avatars. Well, so, I'll take guys, it a step further. They're actually trying yeah. to collect people's consciousness and all their memories so that once you die, they can take all of your memories and your consciousness and put it into another body Boom. and essentially live forever. Boom. I, I, wasn't Microsoft trying to uh, uh, secure the patent for that technology? I wouldn't be surprised. Bill Gates is behind a lot of evil shit. But also to, to mention, like, uh, I was listening to Bad Friends. I'm actually going to clip it and try to put, post it on Instagram. Uh, Bad Friends, that's Bobby Lee and uh, Andrew Santino. They have a podcast. And they had, um, what's his name? I can't think of it. The fat dude from, <laughs> the fat dude from Mad TV. You know what I mean? He was on there. Will, uh, I forgot his name. But anyways, he has a podcast. And his whole podcast is run by AI. So AI comes up with all the topics of everything that they're doing. They they don't think of anything. Shit. AI does everything for them. And then they were like talking about, you know, the AI. I know you guys have all seen those uh, AI apps that uh, could paint. 
for you. Oh, yeah. There's, oh, and, and, and actually, you know, what's funny is I'm, I'm actually starting a, a separate podcast from this one. Uh, and um, <clears throat> we were trying to come up with names. And I was like, you know what, dude? I bet there's a fucking AI thing that if I just <laughs> what I want the podcast to be about. And sure <laughs> shit, there is. And it gave me like 30, 40 fucking names just with three words of what no I could kidding. do. However, I didn't like any of them, but um, it's it's out there. I mean, but, you can do anything. But they're talking that. about they're going to be able to like put together TV shows for you. Like, imagine you're going to be like, "Hey, Netflix, uh, I want to see uh, Richard Pryor talking about mm. uh, January 6th, or I want to see Richard Pryor talking about Donald Trump." Like, and you will be able to have Richard Pryor because they will have all that data together. Compiled from all the videos, I mean, the stuff they already have video of him on, and be able to have him talking. They're already able to take people's I'm saying, voices. I'm saying that I'm surprised that that is. It probably is already a thing. They just haven't fucking put it out to the public yet. It is, but again, like mm. that's why I think it's good that how Noel is highlighting everything. Like I think te- technology is there, but not. It's not all amped up to where you need it to be. You know what I mean? You need people to kind of understand it more. And the more you put it out there, then other people join on the train and they want to help improve it. And then when people Mm -hmm. see that they can make money off of it, I think that's also has a lot to do with it. Why do we not search uh, uh, the ocean? Because... If there's no money in it, right? There's no money mm-hmm. in going discovering the ocean, uh, 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 things below. So people are like, ah, I'm not putting money into it. That's why we only know 5% about it. Now, AI is something that they're finding out that they can make money off of. Now that data is the new uh, the new money, like is data. Yeah, data yeah. is the currency. It is what everybody wants from you. And they want us to have all this stuff. And then the thing is, though, just imagine we could be in a time very soon that somebody drawing or painting something or seeing a stand-up live or seeing someone's live performance, a live performance from a human that thought of everything themselves can be considered like, like so valuable, right? Because it, it won't be, it will be higher up, but at the same time too, what will people value it as? Because it may not, because now they're going to be so desensitized of seeing what the AI comes up with. Like, Oh, that's not good enough. You know, cause AI can come up with more, Especially if they have an unlimited unlimited source, like they can search through the internet faster than we can. You know oh, what I mean? You got to think too. Would you rather go watch Jackass or these people uh, doing crazy shit, literally, or are you gonna like watch them like fucking chop each other's heads off and do like fucked up, cruel shit? You know, I I see it going that far. I can see. I mean, it. people watch Faces of Death, so just imagine exactly like, so. right. So people will put all these weird ideas into it, and. and like we talked about earlier, they're already implementing it into porn. They're, they're already doing mm-hmm. it. And, yeah. and I'm surprised that we don't see uh, more concerts that are just full on hologram. Like you get a lineup, like you brought up uh, Michael Jackson and, and all these dead people. Like, why not go see like everybody that is dope as fuck or, or a comedy mm-hmm. show or something like that. I, I see that coming. Well, in. you don't remember that Coachella, that fake Coachella. Flyer well, we're, gonna, going we're, we're, definitely gonna, we're definitely going to, you definitely going to jump into no, that. But the, the fake, mm-hmm. the fake one. No, no, I'm talking about there was a fake flyer. It wasn't real. And they were talking about Bob Marley's going to be there, blah, blah, blah. Like every single dead artist. It wasn't a real thing. Someone wow. made it up, but, but it's it, going it's, to be, but it, oh, yeah, exactly. Oh. That's what I'm saying. Like, but I'm saying like someone made it as a joke, right? Because it was after the whole two part, but I'm saying, that is something that can be a reality. Like, like at the time that was a joke. This was like five, six, seven years ago. And everybody's like, Oh, like, you know, everybody that's like every great artist that's passed away. They were like, Oh, they'll be there. They'll be there. It was all a, a hologram, a complete hologram. And it wasn't actually going to happen, but it can now actually happen. Yep. 
Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And in the next section, we'll actually get into some of the companies who have already um, started to develop both the idea and the technological capability to make that happen, my brother. Um, really quickly, Oshun, you mentioned before that you were at the Rock the Bells. Was that by any chance in 2013, the Rock the Bells? Um, I was it? Well, I've been to everyone except I think the last one. I don't. I wasn't at 2003. I think the last one I went to was like 2011 or something. Because I went from the gotcha. first one, like because I was going there when it was Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, uh, the hip hop stole Christmas. The night hip hop stole Christmas. That's what they used to go under. And then um, <clears throat> I saw the um, their biggest first real rock the bells. The big one was the reunition, uh, you know, ODB's last performance. I was there at that one. That was nuts in Severino. Uh, that was a great performance. I, I love Rock the Bells. It was a great concert. I'm so pissed off at LL Cool J for um, going after Chan like that because that fool built everything from the ground up and he sued him uh, for copywriting, which I'm like, dude, you just said it in a song. Like, he just, I don't get how they got, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic. Gotcha. So the reason why I asked, and I don't want to, you know, jump ahead, Right, right now. But the reason yeah. why I ask is because the Rock the Bells that was um, hosted at the San Manuel Amphitheater in uh, yeah. California, uh, they had uh, the hologram of deceased rapper Easy E perform alongside Bone Thugs. I heard so, about that. I wasn't there, but I was there at the Coachella with the Tupac. Like I was, playing, oh, you I was were doing there? security. Yeah, I was doing security because like I used to do security at Coachella because it, dude, it's fucking great money because you work like 72 hours straight because people are bitches. Like I was like, yeah, I'll just fucking I would work like all day and then work all night because mm -hmm. at night you just sit on a chair, man. It's like not even That's hard. It. So since yeah, you were working, yeah. you probably didn't get to actually witness the hologram. No, I got to witness it because my thing was I just had to stand by this speaker, which gave me direct right to the stage. Okay, cool. I then I then I have a question for you because we yeah. all see the footage that we see is all from the same angle where it's just directly on. So when you were standing off to the side, did it look real from the side? I I was like in the middle too though, so like it's hard to say like cuz it wasn't moving around, you know what I'm saying? It was like this, so like when it was moving, like I could see only like this. You know what I mean? I didn't mm. get to go around to see the other side because okay. I had to stay Gosh. in my position. You know what I mean? Because I was my job was to not let people uh, climb up the speakers and fucking die. Mm -hmm. Well, damn it. I was hoping you would like be off to Sorry, the side man. a little bit so that nah, we I would, no, I, get I a was line of sight. Yep. I was like because I was imagine like I'm back like behind the soundboard guy. You know what I'm saying? Here's the stage. I'm behind them because, you know, all those big speakers at Coachella that are way back. Yeah, I'm over there. I'm not like gotcha. by the stage or anything. Okay. Gotcha. So one last question regarding the security for the concert. Was that with the company Strike Force? Uh, no, I can't remember. Because it, it okay. may have been because really like uh, what they did, like the first time I even did it, they were like, oh, you got to have a guard car, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, I ain't got that mm. shit. So fuck it. And then when the show comes up, they're emailing all of us like, we don't care if you have a guard card. We need people. And they just like, like literally they were just piling us in and like, they didn't care. Like they didn't care yeah. who you were. They just gave you a shirt and get out there, man. Like we need you. Like gotcha. that's because it's so many people and people like drop out. So it, it could have possibly been, but I think that, uh, cause we had a guy that we went through. So he may have just been like a, mm. a recruiter kind of guy, you know what I mean? Like almost like a job mm -hmm. agency. Yeah, and I think because yeah. there was different set, uh, different fractions of people. Like there was people that actually worked through the company, through the company, and then there was people mm -hmm. that this guy was plugging in. Like, okay, go over here, go with these yeah. guys, go with these guys, like that kind of shit. Understood, understood, understood. 
Because that right. was the, the the Travis Scott, right? Like, is that that wasn't was that the company that was with Travis Scott's um, uh, Astro World, or you know not? Uh, so I'm not particularly sure about that. Good, good shit bringing that fucking crazy Astroworld concept yeah. up, though. But uh, I'm, I'm not sure. The reason why I asked is because I uh, forget what year it was. I think it may have been uh, 2013 or 14, where I took one of those uh, come over here kind of gigs to do security for the Summer Jam at the uh, Giant mm. Stadium. And that was through the company Strike Force, which I learned after, you know, standing in one spot for three fucking days, like you said, was one of the uh, nation's largest um, uh, providers of security for uh, concert venues. <clears throat> so, guys, continuing on with uh, holographic technology in cinema, in cinema there's a, another contemporary movie titled Paycheck, which is based also on the writings of Philip K. Dick, who wrote the book that uh, Total Recall was based on. And this was released in 2003, starring Ben Affleck as a renowned electronics engineer named Michael Jennings. Jennings wakes up with his short-term memory erased, learning that he's been doing highly secretive work for a corrupt industrialist. Now, the task was to reverse engineer an invention that can see into the future. The idea was for Jennings to stop the industrialist before he can destroy the world. It's explained that if the world leaders could foresee the enemy's plans to use weapons of mass destruction, they would launch a preemptive strike to respond to the attack before it takes place, thus leading uh, the world uh, into total destruction. I don't There's even know about this movie. I didn't know they made a movie about Black Cube. Yeah, brother, it was a flop. Uh, you know, they, they said that it was a flop because Ben Affleck is not very convincing as <laughs> yeah, he sucks. Uh, as Michael Jennings. Um, but nonetheless, if you watch the movie, including the playable clip that I that I included in the report, it's very fucking interesting, man. And again, this was uh this was a movie that was released in uh, I haven't seen it early two thousand. Put it on my uh, my movie list, man. Absolutely, absolutely. So. <clears throat> Uh, Jennings winds up reverse engineering a holographic computer, um, giving his employers a huge edge over the competition. Now, one thing noticeable about the particular scene that I included in the report is how the executive move, the executives move immediately to get the technology on the market without so much as asking if the technology can A, be manipulated by bad actors or B, used for purposes other than that for which it was designed to be used for. So the underlying message there is profit over people as usual. And this is exactly what we're suffering under today with the rise of the big tech oligarchy. <clears throat> now, another movie that clearly references the use of the, hologra of the holography uh, that was used during the Victorian era, uh, specifically highlighting the technique known as Pepper's Ghost, is Edward Norton starring as Eisenheim the Great in the 2006 movie titled The Illusionist. Now, this was loosely based on Stephen Milhauser's short story, Eisenheim the Illusionist, and it provides a perfect example of what John Henry Pepper was able to do using the Dirksian phantasmagoria in the Victorian era. Now, in one of the most profound scenes in the movie, Eisenheim conjures up the spirit of the Duchess von Tessen, which is played by Jessica Biel. Now, this clip is included in the report, and it's fucking phenomenal. Again, this is a near accurate representation of the Dirksian phantasmagoria, a.k.a. Pepper's ghost, uh, which is what people paid... Uh, large sums of money to see and be a part of in the Victorian era. So um, I'm going to stop you right there. <clears throat> I don't think I'm going to put these playable clips on there because I, I did click on a couple of them and they take mm -hmm. me to a YouTube uh, um, thing. And since mm -hmm. uh, on air live, you guys just heard my reaction of getting taken off of Spotify. Oh, yeah. So I might, I might actually um, 
just put up the stills from those. And if you Perfect. guys want to see these clips, then go ahead and hit me up on Instagram and I will, I will, mm-hmm. I will go ahead and send you the link to them. Absolutely guys. And, and I would recommend at least getting a, a brief, uh, a brief view of these clips just to uh, understand how it ties into the info. Or maybe uh, you could post this a uh, whole little like article on your link tree or something. You know what I mean? Like, so people can get it like, oh, you know what I mean? Actually, then they could just go. Great idea. I will. I'll go ahead and post these show notes up. And and um, it's going to be on Rockfin on Whiskey, Beer and Conspiracies page as well, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Correct. Yes, sir. OK. Yeah. yeah. So in another film, guys, uh, which is titled The Time Machine and based on the 1895 book by H.G. Wells, which was released in 2002 and starring Guy Pierce. We see an example of advanced holography. Uh, Pierce plays an inventor named Dr. Alex Hardigan in the year 1899, attempting to alter time and save his fiance from death. During his quest through time, we see an amazing interpretation of highly advanced holographic technology when Hardigan travels to the year 2037 and he meets a holographic librarian at the New York Public Library named Vox 114. Hardigan then accidentally travels forward to the date July 16th. 802,701, where he finds a partially destroyed but still functioning hologram of the librarian Vox 114. Um, This was actually my favorite uh, uh, part in the movie. Um, So Hardigan gets knocked unconscious, escaping um, 2037. Um, So essentially scientists are building a moon base and boring into the moon to create subterranean tunnels, they fracture the moon and essentially breaks up into pieces, which then destroys um, the earth. And uh, as this whole apocalyptic scene is playing out, you have uh, military forces of the future attempt to uh, grab Hardigan. There's a struggle with him getting back to his machine. He winds up getting unconscious, pushing the lever forward and traveling to 802,701. And so uh, the the scene progresses through time, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, special effects scene. And then once he lands in the future, he sees all these old buildings, which turn out to be New York. Uh, He walks into a library and he finds, again, this still functioning holographic um, uh, image of Vox 114. Yeah, so that's going on my to watch movie list as well. Definitely, brother. Listen, uh, special effects in this movie will absolutely blow your mind. And again, I really appreciate the fact that it's based on H.G. Wells' book from uh, 1895. So definitely a must watch. So, guys, uh, we're wrapping up on that section here. And as you can see, holography, holograms and holographic technology have been prevalent in cinema for decades. And television shows and movies mentioned are but a small fraction of those stories. There are many more examples to point out, but I fear that... We may lose the attention of the audience if I continue to summarize each one individually. So again, the point of this section was to provide a basis for my position that we're not simply viewing highly imaginative, highly imaginative, excuse me, versions of science fiction, but rather unwitting subjects of a sophisticated operation in predictive programming. Now, before leading the reader into the next section of my report, I encourage you to view uh, these movies and I give you guys a a, a brief list of additional movies that uh, if you haven't checked out, you may want to check out, especially with regard to the information in my report. Uh, One of them is 2017's Blade Runner 2049. You guys saw that one? Yep. I haven't seen that one. I've seen the original Blade Runner, but I haven't seen this one. Brother, see the remake. See the remake just to gauge the uh, future technology 
right? Um, 2009's Avatar, uh, mm-hmm. 2014's The Edge of Tomorrow. That's a dope movie. Yeah. 2004's Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. Uh, 2019 Spider-Man Far From Home, where he fights Rey Mysterio, who's in control of these uh, hologram projecting drones. Uh, 2021's WandaVision, where Wanda the witch creates an entire holographic world that hypnotizes people to believe that they're actually living in this place that she's created. A phenomenal story plot for a show that, you know, didn't really uh, break as much as they intended to. It's a TV um, show or is it a movie? It's like on yeah, Disney so, Plus. It's like a it's a Disney. Yeah. It Marvel is uh, all. Well, then I will never get, get to see it. So. <laughs> yeah, because they, they, they you can Bro, find a bootleg. No, do what I did. Catch it on the fire stick. And again, you 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 summed it up perfectly. You and millions of other people. Once they heard that this shit was on Disney, they were like, "I'm never gonna fucking watch it." Yeah, like you know what's a good uh, uh, a predictive programming and kind of what's going on too is the one Loki. Loki has a lot. Uh, uh, that little series talks a lot about like uh, they have. It's really crazy. You got to see that one. Like just the whole, not just like just the holograph technology, but also talking about like some of the things they say. Like they have posters of like New World Order stuff. Like there's a lot of hidden gems and a lot of the Marvel stuff. And I think that's almost like, it seems like they're putting these gems in there, but at the same time they're pushing the wokeness. So a lot of people don't even tune mm-hmm. in and maybe they don't even get to see the predictive programming. Another yeah, thing, yeah. another thing that uh, we didn't touch on too is my favorite video game series is, um, is Halo. And he is uh, his, the person that guides him through the video game is Katana, who is an AI or Cortana, which is an mm-hmm. AI but is always projected in front of him as a holograph as he goes through these battles and shit. That's incredible. You, you know, some of our computer systems, especially if you're running on a Microsoft platform, have Cortana system embedded in the platform. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had it on my computer. Yeah, my brother. <laughs> I had to, I had to synchronize um, the microphone. Initially I was going to use this microphone here and I had to synchronize it using Cortana. So that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that was in the video game. Yep. Wow, and she, and she ends up turning on him in the very last on a uh, Microsoft video game, game too. So, I mean, oh, great. that's a, so that's a me... Microsoft game on Xbox. You know what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm a I'm an Apple snob. However, I I'm an Xbox guy only because of Halo because I I just well I there is no it. Apple game system. The, so you in fairness, I mean, you can't. There's right. you either got play. You know what I mean? You, if there was Apple gaming system, you might go on. I would probably have it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I will say that in the end of that game, in the end of the last halo, uh, Cortana creates, she turns on the master chief and she creates an entire battlefield that he has to go through. And it's entirely holographic. Holy shit. All right. Let me put a note here. Delete potentially murderous. Computer program from, yeah. Let me just write that down here. Okay. Throw Microsoft <laughs> through outside window. <laughs> so, guys, the last two movies that I would that I would definitely suggest for all the uh, truthers out there and for yourselves is uh, 2018's Ready Player One, which I think you guys saw, and 2013's Ender's Game. Um, the underlying messages are, are fascinating. All right, so this is uh, my second favorite section uh, that we're coming up to now, guys. And this one is titled The Deceased Artist's Hologram Resurrection. How are you holding up over there, Sean? Are you going to get through this? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, cool. You sure, guys? Coffee run? 
No, no, no. You're good. <laughs> no, I don't need copyright. I just know that it, it's, I think it's, it's a, a lot of good information. It's not bad. Inf I mean, it's not like dragging. It's really good information. And, and, and especially this next part, because um, I'll, I'll let you go because I don't want to like step on toes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, let's I got rock you, it. bro. I got you. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, so, no, I just want you to know bro. you're crushing, bro. You're crushing. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you. Uh, like I said, man, thanks for having me on the show, fellas. So this section begins by asking, what deceased musician from the past or modern age would you like to see perform once more on stage? Perhaps they're already singing to fans in a city near you. So this report began by mentioning Elvis Presley, Tupac Shakur, and Michael Jackson, all of whom have passed away but have since been resurrected by holographic technology to perform once more on stage. Now, as the technology advances, the demand to see more artists of the past increases and companies who specialize in holography are attempting to cash in on the hologram concert revolution. Take, for example, Frank Zappa, who died in 1993, yet sang to a sold out crowd at the Scottish Rite Auditorium in 2019. Or Buddy Holly, who died in 1959, and Roy Orbison in 1988, who are both currently on a sold out 46 city hologram rock tour. In 2009, world-famous recording artist, excuse me, artist Celine Dion performed a duet with Elvis Presley, where they sang Presley's hit, If I Can Dream, on the show American Idol. And then in 2015, during her residency in Las Vegas, she performed alongside the hologram of late great Frank Sinatra. One of the more famous performances and one that dramatically increased the public's curiosity in hologram concerts, as well as their demand for nostalgia, was Tupac Shakur performing with Snoop Dogg at Coachella in 2012. The quality of this hologram was said to have been so incredible that concert goers reported being stunned, absolutely stunned by the image of Tupac performing on stage 16 years after his premature death. Deceased California rapper Eazy-E, who passed away in 1995, would also return to the stage as a hologram during the 2013 Rock the Bells Festival at San Manuel Amphitheater. Whitney Houston, who passed away 10 years ago in 2012, began a world tour in 2020 titled An Evening with Whitney Houston and will again grace the stage performing her hit songs to adoring fans until January 2023. Now, her shows are 75 minutes long, and I've heard that they're captivating. Some of the reviews are just phenomenal. Um, <clears throat> Michael Jackson, who passed away in 2009 at the age of 50, performed just five years later in 2014 That's for a pack. <laughs> that's the highly debatable <laughs> but this hologram version played for a packed house at the american billboard awards in las vegas heavy metal star or heavy metal singer rather ronnie dio died in 2010 but his hologram performed for a sold out crowd in 2017 during the dio returns world tour and there are many other deceased singers and entertainers that have performed in the recent past from Dean Martin to Jackie Wilson to Red Fox and many more still who are planned to grace the stage once again. But is this just an innocent form of entertainment? Are the companies specializing in this technology simply capitalizing on new software and the demands of music lovers worldwide? Or is there an agenda behind this modern version of Pepper's Ghost and the Dirksian Phantasmagoria? Here, the we, go, guys. Here we go, fellas. Are the super secretive three-letter agencies of the world not only interested in this technology? Could there already be a military application either intended for or actively initiated using the same technology? Imagine, if you will, the mass hysteria or conversely the mass compliance of large populations of people if Jesus Christ, Muhammad the prophet, Buddha, or Vishnu were suddenly to appear in the sky, convincing people to follow their elected leaders and officials, claiming that by some divine right, these people should be given allegiance without question. 
Now, to some, this may be a hard pill to swallow. And the idea is certainly one that relies on grand assumptions. However, when you step back and look at the amount of lies millions upon millions of people have already been led to believe in this modern era alone, is it truly beyond the realm of speculation? Now, in the next section of my report, I'll discuss Project Bluebeam and its correlation to holography and the holographic technology of today. First, I want to say that like all these artists, too, this is another fucked up thing that these record labels own uh, the masters and all the music, like Mm. all the rights and the publishing to these songs. So not only that's just the horrible thing. At least you'll be like, ah, when I die, like the record company can't still rate me. Now you're like, yeah, now they can continuously forever. And I think this all started, remember, like, I think it was like the late nineties, early two thousands when like, I think it was Maytag commercials. They started using, um, I think, uh, I'm not sure if it was James Dean or, or, or who it was, but it was, uh, stars from the fifties and forties. And they were putting them in commercials. And that's kind of where it really, really, not the technology, but I'm saying starting to roll it out to the public. Yeah, of just these celebrities. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I can't wait to get into this Project Bluebeam shit. But um, damn it, I forgot what I was going to I had a really important... (laughs) Oh, uh, Sony. Didn't they obtain all the rights to Michael Jackson's shit? Or does his kids have anything? No, no, no. He 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 bought his back. He had... A lot of people believe he was like killed because he was in the process of buying the Beatles catalog, the Beatles cat, which is worth all of much money. He did own it. He did own it, right? Okay, yeah, Yeah, that's where it's murky. And and John Beatles uh, solo Elvis Presley, absolutely, Mm -hmm. yeah. Whether he's dead or not is still debatable in my opinion. But you know, that's why Prince changed his name to a symbol as well, right? Right. He changes that. People thought like, oh, that's so weird. He's a weirdo because, you know, again, now the people like in the truth world know this, but a lot of like other people don't know. Like the the, the news was like kind of attacking him. Like, what a weirdo. He's a symbol now. Like, you know, we were kids. We didn't know. Come to find out he did that so he can actually make money off his music because they owned all the rights to everything that was under Prince. Right. Well, he did it twice. First, he he Mm -hmm. called himself the artist formerly known as Prince. And then he changed himself to a symbol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sean, that was Kevin, the reason behind guys, it. Yes, you, sir. You guys, you guys definitely knocked one out of the park just now with um, referencing Jackson and uh, and Prince um, being uh, owners of of their catalogs and the musical catalogs of other artists. And I would absolutely encourage the truthers out there and everyone watching the show today take a minute to research exactly what and how much of Sony and these musical catalogs Prince and Michael Jackson were set to own right before their deaths. I mean, I mean, right before they literally would have turned the music industry on their heads and shifted the power mm-hmm. of control in the music industry. So a, a very incredible, uh, profound and compelling um, investigation to to begin and to start to research. Well, that's what I love about what's going on today. Like Sean Chris uh, is is doing music on his own. Right. Uh, he he fucks with uh, Joel Thomas, who is a part of Van Tesla. Like you don't need a record label anymore. You can do all this shit and own your yep. own shit. And Tech Nine is a great example of that. He, oh, he yeah. he's the most he, successful of doing that. Yeah, for sure. Like, well, one of the, I think he's like one of the first really, really successful. I think there's a lot now compared to what mm-hmm. man that he packs stadiums out and he's not he's his own record label and he's been that for yeah. a long time. So like, yeah, I give a, a lot of props to Tech Nine for that because that's not an easy accomplishment because there's so much you have to go through. Certainly not. 
<laughs> but like you said, Callis, you don't need that anymore. And I think that's like with everything, though, with podcasting, with getting information out. Now they, they, they try different avenues and then they try to block us with like taking things, fact checking, um, putting through hoops. But once we build, that's why all it does is make us stronger to build our own infrastructure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, you're going to take me down. We build a website. Uh, they take that website. We build the infrastructure. They can't take the. It just keeps making us more innovative. So really, it's just a blessing in disguise. And all the mm-hmm. things that they do, it always swings back the other way because they think that they're getting us, but they can't. They'll never defeat us because, I mean, when you got the most powerful being of all time, as you're fucking a ringer, you know what I mean? I just be like, hey, you know what I'm saying? Like, God comes in here, he just swings in the, and and kills them all, bro. I don't really like, that's how I think of it. Like, at the end of the day, like, I talk about all this and I love everything they do, but I always tell people, don't be a doomer. There's no need to be a doomer. Even if you're at the last second, like, bro, if you kill me, all you're going to do is make my life even better because I'm an internalness now. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't defeat yeah. me. And I think if we keep that attitude with everything, it's like, but we still need to know. I think it's still good to be proactive, to to understand and to help people out. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, don't worry too much because people go, oh, man, not a people, not enough people woke up. OK, I, it sucks. I hope they do. We'll plant those seeds. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, I know where I'm going. I know who's got my back. And that's all we need to remember. Amen, brother. One hundred percent. Amen, brother. One hundred percent. So, guys, let's uh, dig into Project Bluebeam. Yeah. So in 2005, I began a deep dive into William Milton Cooper's groundbreaking book, Behold a Pale Horse. Now, the title was a reference to a psalm in the book of Revelations, specifically Revelation 6, verse 8, which read, And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And and power was given unto them over the fourth of the earth to kill with sore and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. Now, by the time I completed this book, I was no longer the same person. I had absorbed some of the most profound information that I had ever come across. And with the completion of each eye-opening chapter, I finally forced myself to accept that the world I lived in was a far darker place than I had been willing to believe. I finally saw the system for what it was. I saw the design for the first time. And I began to understand the plans of the powers that be and therefore my role in all of it. Now, one paragraph in particular found in chapter found in the chapter titled Secret Government on page 212 and 213 impacted me greatly as it shattered many, many personal and previously held beliefs about our origins. Now, in it, Will Cooper describes the U.S. and Soviet government exploiting captured alien technology that utilized time travel and was codenamed Project Rainbow. Allegedly, they were able to prove that the prophecies cited in the book of Revelation were in fact true, and that if men did not turn from evil and place themselves at the feet of Christ, the planet would self-destruct. Cooper explains that the aliens present on Earth confirmed the findings and actually showed a hologram, which they claimed was the actual crucifixion of Christ. The government filmed the hologram, but did not know whether to believe them. This was the first time that I had ever considered holograms as anything more than science fiction, And so I began my descent down a rabbit hole that ultimately led me to finding information regarding Project Bluebeam. Project Bluebeam was a secret and futuristic NASA program in which advanced technology, such as the use of airborne holographic projection devices and manipulation of various frequency waves could be utilized to create a fake visual and audio simulation to convince the public or the enemy that they are witnessing a real event, whatever that scenario may be. 
Right. It, now, could, my reason- it could look cool. It could be an alien invasion. It could be something that we haven't even thought of yet. Boom. Boom. Now, in my research, I found that the writing, I found the writings of Area 51 expert Norio Hayakawa. Now, I would uh, I would uh, definitely suggest you guys looking into his research. Um, again, this guy's name is Norio Hayakawa. Uh, he's from New Mexico, as well as the Canadian investigative journalist Sergey Monast. Now, according to Hayakawa, Monast was the first journalist to claim that NASA was developing immensely powerful holographic technology and that the HARP system was a version of Project Bluebeam that utilized some of Nikola Tesla's technology. Now, if there's anyone in our community who's still unfamiliar with HARP, this is an acronym for High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program and was an initiative to study the effect on the performance of communication, navigation, and surveillance systems by simulating the heating of the Earth's ionosphere. Now, the truth of this project eludes us still today, but according to researchers, programs such as HARP and the Blue Beam Project could be utilized in the future to generate panic by creating a fake extraterrestrial invasion scenario or the second coming of Jesus Christ. The frightened and deceived public would beg for some kind of global authority to global authority and unity to fend off such threats or the perceived destruction of the world. Therefore, Project Bluebeam and HARP technologies would create a way to enforce a totalitarian one world government, aka the New World Order. Area 51 expert Norio Hayakawa was once asked in a private interview to elaborate more on this scenario to which he explained, if there really exists a global cabal whose long-term plan is to enforce a global government, the most logical way to carry out this plan would be to create an absolutely convincing need for such an authority. The ult- this ultimately means, I'm sorry, the ultimate means to achieve such a plan would be to artificially generate worldwide panic by staging a fake event through the use of such technologies as HARP and Project Bluebeam. An unprecedented series of global crises, such as natural catastrophes or conflagrations, both of which could also be created artificially, would be the final condition under which such schemes would be realized. Hey, uh, so it might have been over a week ago, I posted a video where um, in California, well, I'm in California, I don't watch TV, so I haven't seen this commercial other than when I posted it. And they were talking about stay in your home, uh, listen to the news, uh, nuclear to survive a nuclear attack. Oh, they did that in California too, because they did that in New York. Yeah, brother. So yes, do you they think, did. Do you think I didn't the see state, the California one? Uh, it's on my page. I'll, I'll uh, check it. I'll, I'll check it. it to you. So, do you think that they can, they can incorporate pod, Project Bluebeam with a, a nuclear attack? Like one hundred and ten percent. Okay. Sure. What? To even add on to that, right? To like get some early, early predictive programming. What about the War of the Worlds? Orson Welles radio broadcast mm. that freaked out. Like it was so realistic to people because imagine mm-hmm. at that time there wasn't even visuals. They were just hearing this and thinking, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is what's really happening. So just imagine being able to see it. I think that would just take, it would be like Orson Welles on steroids. Like, I think mm-hmm. that would really oh, like, you, you can make a whole scene look forward. like a whole thing was wiped out. Like you said, like you can be like, 
and you're not there, right? There could be. But a part, I'm saying, what about the people isolated. that are there? Because are we're gonna actually have to see destruction for it to be believable, too? Yeah, but they could be in an area. Uh, okay, imagine a part, a desolated area in California, right? You have sure. a whole fake city that does not even exist, but we don't know. Like, just and then someone just claims that they know someone that lives there or whatever, right? But you have this whole scenario, and they're like, and then they show that it's bombed, right? Like you can see an aftermath, and they'll put rubble and everything like that, yeah. or. They will actually what what I believe is they will mask it and they won't necessarily use nukes, but they will use the those uh those deweys, the uh direct energy weapons. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like what happened in mm -hmm. California with a lot of the wildfires. Yep. So mm -hmm. if you project it and you make it seem like it's something else, like a nuclear blast or an alien invasion mm -hmm. or whatever, whatever we may be, like you said, something that they come up with in the future. I'm sure they're paying attention That's to right. everything that weird people like us are saying. The direct yeah. energy weapons, and, mm -hmm. and we've already fallen for it once. And, and not only have we fallen for it, but there are there was physical uh um, evidence well not even evidence people lost their fucking actually people fucking lost their homes oh yeah burnt down people died in these fires but it was totally propagated and and then and it was it was the either the government or the military or the industrial military military complex that actually performed this it was not no wildfires and there's videos of these airplanes like flying over and it's like and it shows them like hitting hitting these trees and stuff and so well, you could just, just see like just the, that, the cuts of the house and, and the and the and the cars like i've seen plenty of videos on it like uh where you could see that it was like it was too there's no way a fire could do that man like we've all seen yeah. fires we know fire can do fire causes a lot of destruction but the way that was implemented but people don't know what that is so if they don't know what that is even like so like you know I me mean? i don't really even like marjorie taylor green but people were going after her hard and they were like oh she's crazy she's talking about space lasers and i'm like yeah she's not wrong though like what are you talking about like that's like the literally the pentagon admitted that china russia other countries have direct energy weapons so you can make fun of, of it and, we and make it. jokes about it yeah of course we and they say we had it too but i'm saying like they're making fun of her like i said i don't even like her it's not like we have our own different beliefs but in that instance she's not wrong she's actually telling actual facts because that they admitted it the pentagon and people are like oh space lasers yeah okay if you say it like mm -hmm. that it sounds stupid but when you actually talk about the technology and what it can actually do it's real Right. And so I'm glad you brought up the direct energy weapons because uh, they can combine these two things together, right? With the hologram oh, and these direct energy weapons. That's what I'm saying. And you're going to believe mm -hmm. it. Even the people that know about Project Bluebeam, they're going to, I mean, think about when, uh, when we started seeing and hearing about COVID and they were showing us fucking bullshit videos on the news of people just dropping dead in China. And sure. And people freak the fuck out. Imagine if something actually happened in your backyard. And, and anybody and everybody got to admit, I admit it all the time. That first couple of weeks, that first couple of weeks, nobody really, everybody was kind of a little bit on edge. You know what I mean? Because you couldn't get any good information. And then like, that's the problem. Like, so if, if, if all of a sudden all telecommunications breaks down and we can't call our buddies in New York or California or Texas, you know what I mean? And we can only talk about what's around us. It brings us back to like that old American time where like you are on that Orson Welles like radio where you're like, all I know is what I'm getting through this box right here mm -hmm. and the people that are around me. And, and they say that there's bad stuff happening, but nobody's actually seen it. You're going to kind of believe it. Like, you're going to be skeptical, of course. Like, we'll be skeptical. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, I know things are blowing up. Like, and, and if you cut off communication, then we'll never know. Yeah. That's why it's so important well, for well us said, to build uh, infrastructure. Mm-hmm.
Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, sorry. And, we, uh, sorry. We hijacked time from you. <laughs> no, listen, listen, brother, this is, this is, but this is how we get deeper into the subject. This is how we expose the audience to bits and pieces of information that they may not have connected yet or been exposed to. This is what we do. It's incredible. It's highly impactful that we do this to go off of your point. We have to remember that we are still in the conditioning phase, right? We're being conditioned by the powers that be to, to gauge just how much we will accept fantasy as reality, just like we went through in an earlier portion of the report. In order for the powers that be to reach that end goal, they'll sacrifice a few thousand, a few hundred mm -hmm. thousand, right? In order to perpetuate the bullshit, right? Just like that. They, they it, it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even be a, a, a matter question. of- They wouldn't even lose- Question. Ab absolutely right. And to, to uh, go off of your point, Sean, I had a, a friend of mine, uh, I love him to death, grew up with him, a uh, military guy, and he was one of the uh, Marjorie Taylor Green um, space-based laser guys that was just going off on it, thought she was a, a kooky quack, until I sent him the video of Mark Esper saying in a, in a press conference to the American people that we are, in fact, under attack by direct energy weapons. This is Mark Esper. Now, you know Mark mm -hmm. Esper. He, he wasn't a Trumper, quote unquote. He was part of the cabinet. But as soon as he had a chance to hightail it out of there, he did. Right. And well, he had. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, brother. I was just going to say it goes back to the 50s when we uh, we our first direct energy weapon, I believe, was the heart attack gun. Mm. There, oh there was, yeah, like you're talking about with the there CIA, was a congressional right? hearing, <laughs> for sure, man, for sure. Fun, funny that you bring Havana that up syndrome. too. Oh man, they, they're still employing that today, brother. What did you Low say? Oh, uh, Havana syndrome, like that's like it's been going like uh, it was something that's been going around for the last couple of years. That's in all like uh, the embassies, like people were getting so sick. Uh, it's putting through yeah. a lot of bullshit, like where, where it's basically the same thing. Like it's a different form of a direct energy weapon. Right. And they Correct. were even saying that, that, that people were experiencing some of those symptoms at Mar-a-Lago as well. Like uh, last summer, I think. That's incredible. And to, to go off that point, uh, Catalyst, uh, Kamala Harris, in one of the only coherent sentences that she's been able to produce <laughs> in recent history, she said that she may have been a victim of, of that type of targeted yep. uh, low frequency weaponry as well. So I hope so, because then incredible. I would it would uh, explain a lot. Like, I'd be like, oh, that's why you're an idiot. OK, <laughs> her brain so was melted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A piece of your brain was melted. Now I get it. I got you. I hope wow. like <laughs> and, and really quickly before we continue uh, in, into the uh, blue beam blue beam project section uh, catalyst mentioned the heart attack gun. I think you guys will find this uh, incredibly interesting that Sergei Monast uh, also died uh, from a random heart attack, uh, supposedly a healthy guy, strong as a bull. And suddenly two years after he comes out with his project blue blue beam expose, uh, he dies of a heart attack. So. Somebody's still using that fucking gun. Yep. Okay, so um, <clears throat> I continued my research, uh, and I found the writings of an independent journalist by the name of Ken Adachi. Um, through his writings, I was able to find the piece by Sergei Monas titled NASA's Project Blue Beam, which was written in 1994, two years before his death. And in it, Monas highlights the different steps that would be undertaken in order for Blue Beam to help implement the New World Order. First, 
Through engineered earthquakes and hoaxed discoveries, a breakdown or re-evaluation of all archaeological knowledge would occur. They would be triggered at certain precise locations on the earth in order to find supposedly new discoveries that would explain to every person in the world the error of all religious doctrines. Monast emphasizes that what is important to understand in the first step is that those earthquakes will hit at various parts of the world where scientific and archaeological teachings have indicated that arcane mysteries have been buried. They want to destroy the beliefs of all Christians and Muslims on the planet, but to do that, they need some false proof from the far past that will prove to all nations that their religions have been misrepresented and misunderstood. The second step would be to create a big show in the sky. Through NASA's Bluebeam project, they would create gigantic three-dimensional optical holograms and sounds, laser projection of multiple holographic images to various parts of the world, each receiving a different image according to the predominating regional national religious faith. There are two distinct aspects of step two according to Monast's work. The first is the big show, where holographic images will be used in a simulation of the ending of the world, during which all nations will be shown scenes that will be the fulfillment of that which they desire to verify the prophecies and apocalyptic events. These will be projected from satellites, just like Catalyst just said, onto the sodium layer about 60 miles above the Earth. The result of these deliberately staged events will be to show the world the new Christ. In this, the Blue Bean Project will pretend to be the universal fulfillment of the prophecies of old, and even the most intelligent of us will be deceived. The second aspect of step two, Monast explains, is that computers will coordinate the satellites and software, which are already in place to run the sky show. Holographic images projecting Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, Krishna, etc., will merge into one after fabricated explanations of the mysteries and revelations will have been disclosed. This one God will, in fact, be the Antichrist, who will explain that the various scriptures have been misunderstood and misinterpreted, and that all religions of old are responsible for turning brother against brother and nation against nation. Therefore, old religions must be abolished to make way for the new age, new world religion, which is represented by that one God they see. The calculated resistance to this universal religion and the new Messiah and the ensuing holy wars will result in the loss of human life on a scale never imagined before in history. And uh, that is profound. Um, I would highly recommend looking into Sergei Monast's original paper. Um, I believe it's in the references and uh, highly impactful, my brothers. Uh, and I'll say too on a on a, re, a not so recent episode um, we did on Kill the Mockingbirds about Lambda, you know the AI that uh, supposedly has become sentient. We were discussing mm. it and came up to this oh. uh, conclusion that is, you know, you know, I was saying like, well, I don't think AI could be this real. And we were kind of talking about it, me and Joe, and we're like, you know what? Maybe that is how the implementation of demons and Antichrist and and things like that are going to be embodied with AI. You know what I mean? Like, because it gives them a vessel. Are they vessels for interdimensional demons or beings or whatever you want to say? Absolutely right. Good point. Catalyst, I see, I see the wheels going there, brother. What you got? <laughs> no, actually, I was, I was just looking at how many pages are left, and my, my cup is empty, and I need to keep, I need to keep some sort of water or tea or something in here. So, if you guys don't mind, I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take like a, a five minute break and go fill my water back up and uh, 
we can resume if that's okay with you guys. No, not, not a problem. I'm I'm ready to go. I could actually go run and, and uh, grab a cup of coffee too. Is this going to, you'll be able to edit this small pause. Yes. I'm just going to pause it and we're going to start right back up. Sweet brother. All right. I'm going to grab some coffee too. Cool. And we are back like a vertebrate. I just wanted to take this moment real quick to give a shout out to CosmicFractalMagnitudes.com. Great sponsor of the show. If you guys haven't already checked out the website, CosmicFractalMagnitudes.com, be sure to go check out our good friends of the show and enter promo code rabbit at checkout and you will receive 13% off of your order. And they have some amazing artwork there that is all based on marijuana. So go check that out. It is awesome. Their website, they do great work and it is phenomenal stuff. Even Tommy Chong has some of their shit. So that's how cool their, their stuff is. Be sure to check them out. Like I said, promo code rabbit and you will receive up to 13% off. Let's get back in the saddle. We are talking project Bluebeam, holograms, new world order. Oh my. Absolutely. Absolutely. So guys, we'll continue with the third step in the implementation of Project Bluebeam. And that third step includes artificial thought and communication. Through telepathic and electronically augmented two-way communication using ELF, VLF, and LF waves, each person from within his or her own mind will be convinced that their own God is speaking to them from the very depths of their own soul. Sergei Manast asserted that this equipment is now operational within the CIA and FBI. I would come to learn that MK Ultra had already achieved and initiated this in the 1970s, in the 80s, in the 90s, and likely today. So now that we've outlined the steps needed in order for Project Bluebeam to help implement the New World Order, we must understand in the simplest terms that NASA's project is the prime directive for the New World Order's absolute control over the population of the entire Earth. At this stage in my life, I can offer one suggestion. It would be that you investigate this information carefully before dismissing it as a fanatical fringe theory. Now, guys, that will conclude the section of Project Blue Bean. However, the, the uh, next and final um, section is on the hologram industry and the corporations that are right now totally capitalizing on it, making huge sums of money, right? And we need to know who they are. Because uh, let me they, add to that last I'm chapter sorry, real quick. Sorry, no, no, just yeah. sorry to cut you off. Because I was just talking about this, and this is something that a lot of people don't know about that happened in Dayton, Ohio. Um, there's a 39 year old Stephen Alexander Morrow. He was arrested by locals, uh, local police in Kansas, and he went on a shooting uh, spree. And he has, he went out with a little manifesto, and he had a recording, and I, I played it on one of my previous episodes, and where he says like, "Hey." I'm doing that. This is not a mass shooting event. I'm going after the people that have been in my mind and other people's minds. I'm defending my nephews and my nieces so they don't have to go against this MK Ultra. Like it's it's pretty crazy of how you were just. It just reminded me when you were talking about uh, getting into people's brains and he was talking about mm -hmm. that, like trying to change people's thoughts. So it it is something that is out there and and it's crazy that that story has not and this was recent this was in the last few weeks and it's not a story that's been blasted you know usually when there's a mass shooting it's blasted over everywhere you know everybody's here oh, yeah. and no and mm -hmm. this one was really hush hush well i, I mean I look, wanted to ask um ask too um and sean how do you have that clip on your board still oh yeah i do is it long 
Uh, it's about two minutes. I, I could play a brief. I could play it briefly. Yeah, play a brief, brief part of that. Let's go. So, mom, dad, Kevin, Carrie, Brendan. Um, I just want you to know I love you more than you'll ever know. Um, I could not have asked for a better family. What you cannot comprehend is that we have been attacked by this weapon our entire lives, and the attack against me personally is one of the most vicious attacks a human being um, has ever faced. I have tolerated the most inhumane torture in hopes that the FBI and CIA would come to my defense, but they have failed to come to my aid. My only hope is that you come to understand what has happened here. When the world realizes what has happened, there will be justice, but I cannot sit by and be a victim any longer, and I refuse to sit by and do nothing while my nieces and nephews and the rest of my family are operated on with mind control. Our thoughts are not private. It is disgusting and it is cruel. I will be launching the first counterattack against mind control in human history. I want to be very clear, this will not be an active shooting event. I will be executing some of the people responsible for activating shooters. That's it goes on more. (laughs) I didn't even hear I did not hear about this. This is fucking nuts. Yeah, yeah. Fucking mind blowing. So it's crazy. His name's Steven Morrow. Like, look it up. Like, uh, you could uh, uh, spell it out. I think it's, uh, it's Stefan. Like it's, it looks like Stefan, but it's Steven S T E P, uh, H E N Marlow. I think, uh, M R. Let me, let me look that back up. Yeah. And and he was from Dayton, Ohio. And it was like, just like a week or two before that FBI, uh, you know, that guy in Cincinnati that uh, went to the FBI thing, which that one we heard on national news. This one was not on national news. This one was strictly um, like local, and that you had to dig that. That's on Reddit. Where you go find it, it's on Reddit. That's how you can. Uh, the only real like audio or video that you can find of him. It's- we wow. need to blast this. We need to blast this so everybody hears about this. You know what? And we can correlate that to the recent testimony of Nicholas Cruz, the other mass shooter, that young kid that went on a shooting spree. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't want to botch this, so I won't say exactly the particular place. Right. But Nicholas Cruz stated in the uh, police interview to the to the initial detective that he was hearing voices, two distinct separate types of voices that were directing him to do these things. What does that sound like to you guys? Exactly what you just said. So. So they I, and that, that's the question I was going to ask you is, is are these people um, have they been implanted with something or are they just able to use these frequencies to directly talk into your brain without any type of um, um, technology already in, put inside of you? Great, great question, Catalyst. And again, according to the profound work of Sergey Monast, these augmented two way communications simply use ELF, VLF and LF waves to beam these messages directly into the cerebral cortex and then direct the actions by which, you know, these, these people go ahead and, and, and uh, do these mass shootings or, or perpetuate any type of, of crime directly into the brain so that these people actually believe, actually believe that the messages are coming from in their, you know, directly into their mind from their soul, that, that demons are speaking to them. You, you understand? Profound yeah. shit, profound shit, my brother. Got to give a shout so, out to No Agenda though, because No Agenda is the one where, I, like, how I got that clip. So, like, they they're so great, they're so wide verse. So, just wanted to give them a shout out. I'm, Definitely a I'm shout out to No Agenda. Away from that story, man. I, Facts, I'm gonna, man. Shit. I'm gonna look into this Stefan Marlowe guy a little bit more, and and I want to know this full story. This is incredible. 
So well, I'm looking into his vic the victims right now. What I'm trying to figure out is because uh, there's a list of the victims, and I want to see if they have any traces to any intelligence to see if there's any credence to what he was talking about. You know what I mean? Because if they do, yeah. then then that would really like kind of like get us on the right track. So you can check it out on I have it on um uh my uh, Telegram. It's under the uh number ninety eight show notes. Like it's just show notes. It's up okay. from my last from my last uh, episode. Trump or me. So, Sean, <laughs> the, the, I just want to be clear. The last name is Marlo, not Moro. Marlo. Marlo, yeah. M-A-R-L-O-W. Okay. Understood. Gotcha, brother. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, anybody listening, if, anybody listening, if you guys come up uh, on any new information about this, uh, please uh, hit me up and let me know where, where I can find it. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So guys, now that we've outlined the steps needed in order for Project Bluebeam to help implement the New World Order, we must understand in simplest terms that NASA's project is the prime directive for the New World Order's absolute control over the population of the Earth. <clears throat> Going into the next section, um, we're simply uh, titled the hologram industry. Um, I, again, the point of this section is to show you guys who are the uh, major companies responsible for perpetuating the advancement of this technology. And then hopefully later on, or by outlining these companies, us and the truth hooligans and, and the truthers um, can start to make the connections, figure out who the investors are, the structures of these corporations, uh, who are the major players, board members, um, who they owe their allegiance to. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. Them. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that BlackRock has a hand in it. Brother, BlackRock has a hand in my fucking pocket right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, guys. So um, now that we've gone through the early history of holography, noted its early pioneers, learned of the various types of holography and their dynamics, its presence in modern cinema, as well as its contemporary commercial uses in concert venues, we can now begin to understand the correlations between hologram capability and the potential for military development, as well as its latent uses against citizens of the world with regard to HARP and Project Blue Beam. Now, going forward, it would also be important and beneficial to the audience that we discuss some of the companies that are currently capitalizing on and developing highly sophisticated holograms. As of 2022, there are six very profitable and incredibly lucrative companies dominating this ever-expanding industry being built around hologram technology and the new age push to advance and standardize it. In a follow-up report, we'll delve deeper into the shareholders and stakeholders of these companies, highlighting the people and entities interconnected within the sphere of commercial holograms and the government corporate military complex. For now, we'll concentrate on naming and briefly introducing these companies and corporations. Of the six companies currently providing the world with holograms at sports venues, concerts, schools, museums, and altering our reality one image at a time, all are growing exponentially and have made great strides in altering our reality, making serious fucking money in the meantime. Excuse my French. You're good. The first company is US-based MDH, which is an acronym for Magical Dynamic Hypnotic and was founded in 1996 by Giovanni Palma. Since then, they have collaborated internationally with corporations, political figures, and entertainers that include India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi, who appeared as a hologram while on the campaign trail in 2014, Dita Vontis, Jennifer Lopez, Volvo, Swarovski, FIFA, and many more. MDH is also the company responsible for resurrecting Tupac at Coachella in 2012. 
The company website notes that within 48 hours of Tupac's performance, their YouTube channel garnered 15 million views and now maintained their status as world leaders of Pepper's Ghost technology. The second leading company in hologram technology is the Pulse Evolution Corporation, formerly known as Evolution AI, Virtual Bank, and the Art Technology Group. They are a major subsidiary of UK-based FaceBank Group. FaceBank is a technology-driven intellectual property company engaged in the development and promotion of human likeness technologies and is a major shareholder of the metaverse. This company is responsible for creating the virtual Floyd Mayweather, who in the future will be able to fight past champions like Sugar Ray Leonard and Muhammad Ali. They are the company behind legendary visual effects of Benjamin Button and the Tron Legacy. Pulse Evolution Corp. also developed the holographic avatars for famed pop group ABBA, as well as the holographic Michael Jackson, and is the only company with a highly lucrative multi-year revenue sharing agreement with the estates of Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley, and Marilyn Monroe. So these guys are literally a behemoth in this industry right now. The third most important, the third most dominant holographic company is Australian-based Axiom Holographics, formerly known as Euclidean Holographics. Axiom technologies are currently used in various hologram arcades around the world and are the developers of what is commonly referred to as the Holoverse. Axiom has manufactured some of the world's most advanced holographic video game technology and produced more devices and more features than any other company in the world. According to their website for the World Science Festival, which is hosted in Brisbane, Australia, Axiom is the company behind Big Dino Discovery Trail that will recreate high resolution 3D interactive holograms of eight dinosaurs and various prehistoric megafauna that will walk and appear throughout the corridors of the Queensland Museum in real Jurassic Park themed fashion. I think um, Sean uh, touched up on this uh, briefly earlier in, in the podcast. Now, it's also interesting to note that Axiom has developed the hollow table for use by military commanders to allow for multi-domain military planning and strategizing, touting that this device can see a battle from an infantry soldier's point of view without commanders having to leave a room or wear bulky headsets and equipment. We can only wonder how sophisticated this technology is, as they are also a highly secretive company with extraordinarily little detail about their war fighting technology. So they'll tell us about the fucking dinosaurs in the museum, but they won't tell us how sophisticated their military technology is. Mm -hmm. Now, I can understand that. You never want to let the enemy know what you're working with. But I mean, I find it always highly suspicious when a company will not share their advancements, especially in this brand new field of holography. Now, another leading company is U.S. Silicon Valley-based Lightfield Lab Incorporated, which was founded in 2017 by John Carafin, Brendan Bevency, and Ed Ibby. According to the company's LinkedIn profile, their mission is to enable a holographic future by building upon the founder's collective expertise in light field technology innovation. Lightfield Lab has redefined what is perceived as real, and their rapidly advancing holographic technology creates virtual objects that escape the screen and integrate seamlessly with reality. What was once thought to be only possible in science fiction novels and movies is no longer limited to the fantasy genre. Their solid light technology is unprecedented in resolution and density, project, projecting dimensional wave fronts that escape screens and merge with reality. Examples of this technology can be seen in any of the Iron Man movies. 
The sophisticated holograms used by fictional inventor Tony Stark are actually very real and exist today, my brothers. In addition, privately owned Base Hologram is a U.S. company founded in 2016 by Brian Becker, Martin Tudor, and Timothy Ward. The company is a leading provider of hologram concert experiences. Their holograms can be seen in all types of venues today from tourist destinations, museums, theaters, concerts, and sporting events. Their holograms offer the ability for spectators to interact with holographic images and according to their website, offer dynamic, larger than life experiences with successful exhibits being displayed at the Mann Center for Performing Arts in Philadelphia, the Live Nation Entertainment Complex in Beverly Hills, the Tulsa Opera House in Oklahoma, and the Lincoln Center for Performing Arts in New York City. What has allowed this company to experience exponential growth in their industry is the organization of exhibitions for educational purposes, namely the presentation of dinosaurs, nature, historical buildings, geographic scenery, and metaverse experiences that rival their competitors. Yeah, Just fucking how- stop, stop trying to tell our kids that dinosaurs existed, you stupid fucks. <laughs> I, um, my, my question my question is because I was listening um, and I and I think I only caught the Australian company, which I don't remember what the name of the Australian company is. But is that the only one that actually has a military um, military implements contract contract? I mean, so so from the research that I've been able to find, Axiom is the predominant um, company within the military um, corporate sphere. Axiom. And that's also why you can not find too much information on this company. In fact, the information that I was able to um, compile from this is why it took me so long to complete the report. I scoured as many sources as I could find just for this minimal amount of information. Uh, On its website itself, it actually gives you a subcategory um, that lists some of the technology they provide for the military but you click on it and it's two damn pictures. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and so, so, and another question is NASA is not involved in this as far as, uh, as far as a company that is at least publicly um, fucking around with this shit. So NASA may be involved in holography. Uh, obviously they won't come out and say this because then that would bring them into the sphere of being a totally different entity than what they are. Okay. That and, sense. And in this particular, uh, for the for the sake of this report, we're only highlighting the dominant companies right now. There are there are about ten companies that are producing uh, insane holographic technology, but I wanted to focus on the major players, right? And I wanted to give our audience a basis to start making those connections and figure out who the hell these people are. Did you guys see the hologram show? Um, in Seattle, I think it was um, 2021, maybe uh, it was after I think it was the New Year's of 2021 because, uh, you know, people were inside. They didn't want people to go out. You know how Seattle and uh, that area is. They had a whole uh, demonstration uh, with holograms, but with uh, drones. Uh, the drones did all kinds of like it was like firework ish, but like they did their own thing. And there's a lot of these hologram things, uh, technologies that are attached to drones. And that's what a lot of people in the truth community have talked about for a while, too, how drones will be able to project things because they will be able to go in the sky and go. And I was wondering yeah. if the, if if we could. Re- I mean, I don't know off the top of my head, but it would be interesting to know if any of this technology was used in Ukraine, the Ukraine uh, proxy mm. war. You know what I mean? If if we seen some fake footage like. Because the whole reason we went into Desert Storm 
was that fake story of uh, that diplomatic's daughter, the diplomatic guy's daughter, where she was like, oh, they came in here and they, you know, they were killing babies. They were crushing, you know, like they were crushing the incubators. And then, of course, you know, like people are going to be like, oh, man, this is horrible. We can't let them do that. And it it turned out to be a lie. But once you're already engaged in war, you can't just undo war. You know what I mean? Oh, sorry, guys. Oh, my bad. We got it wrong. (laughs) I know we were here for a while. But, you know, so I think like it'd be interesting to know if any of that technology was use in ukraine to maybe even help uh push this little whole narrative of getting you know uh this thing cracking off most certainly brother in fact it would be very interesting to start to delve deeper into the connections to see just how many people on the boards of these major holographic and holography companies are actually funding this war or or who may be players in the international sphere as well um so great great point Another uh, another thing that I would like to say is um, when many people hear of drones, they think of the military predator drone that we came to learn about was used in the 20 years war in Afghanistan. But now with the commercialization, commercialization, excuse me, of drone technology, we have to understand that there are many different types of drones. Many different types of drones. Many. They're the, even huge planes, man. Like people don't realize like mm-hmm. uh, like regular uh fighter fighter jets they have drones of that like and, and we've known that and like i know a lot of people believe it's holograms and stuff like that that happened in 9-11 i believe it was droned uh planes like that's why like everybody had that had saw them that day mm. they were playing colored planes and th- mm-hmm. those were drones and and drone technology has been for around and just as i said like uh, i was talking about uh Ukraine and I just typed it in Ukraine holograms war and it says Zelensky promises Ukraine will defeat the empire. Ukraine president attends trade shows as electronic apparent you urging tech companies to aid digital revolution on lead least terms. So they are using maybe not the war part, but this is still being implemented. So it's still pushing uh, that technology out. And I believe a lot of these proxy wars are started to play with some of these technologies just to see, hey, what can we do with it? Yeah, incredible. I wouldn't put it past them at all. Actually, I would be surprised if they're not. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) For sure. For sure. And look at what you were able to find in just, you know, 15 seconds of Mm -hmm. digging, the the connection that you were able to make. So if we all did that collectively, I guarantee you it would be so hard for these people to pull the wool over our eyes. It would be so hard or so much harder rather for them to implement this agenda. Um, and I, I encourage everyone to to start digging in, making these connections, figuring out who the fuck these people are, and then put them on blast. Yep. 100%. Oh, and uh, Sean, I wanted to piggyback off of what you said, because uh, this year during the 4th of July, um, Tahoe had a, a drone show instead of a fireworks show. Yep. 110%. Phenomenal display. Phenomenal display. 100% fake. All right, guys. So the sixth and final company that I wish to highlight is U.S.-based iLusion LLC. iLusion LLC was founded in 2015 by Jeff Pizzuti of Yonkers, New York, and the son of late musician Frank Zappa, Ahmed Zappa of Los Angeles. iLusion provides end-to-end hologram production with full-range digital recreation and special effects and is the company behind the performances of deceased musician Frank Zappa and rocker Ronnie Dio. 
Though the company is a leading provider of holographic entertainment, there is very limited information available about the structure of the company, its earnings, or investors. And their website provides only superficial details about the board members and the company's future trajectory. In my follow-up report, I intend to dig deeper into this particular company as well as Axiom and encourage the readers and the audience of this report to join me in collecting as much information on this company, its structure, and board members as possible. As a researcher, I always find it suspicious and rather odd when a US-based firm provides little information about their domestic operations. And I believe that it is of the utmost importance for us to scrutinize companies with the potential to participate in or provide material and technological support to clandestine military operations that include or have the potential to include the applications of this specific type of technology. So in conclusion, I express my gratitude to the audience for their time, uh, for allowing me to present this report, and I hope that the information provided will inspire readers to investigate, question, and learn about this powerful technology that has the, cap the capability of hypnotizing and directing the actions of people. Are we in the final phase of a global, ma of a global mass hypnosis? It is up to us to reach and answer and our responsibility to bring meaning, logic, and critical thought to the answers that we do find. God bless you guys and good luck. I want to finish out by reading a verse from Matthew 5, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 15 through 16. And that says, men do not light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. They set it on a stand where it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, your light must shine before men so that they may see the goodness in your acts and give praise to your heavenly father. Amen, brother. <clears throat> so, so that's I, us, guys. We're lighting that lamp. I'm not Sam Tripley, and this is not tinfoil hat. However, if I was, and this was tinfoil hat, I think you just made a run for Mount Crushmore. What do you think? <laughs> I definitely know. Definitely. Just with your preparedness, I, I want to add two things that like, uh, First, like with the programming part, um, I we didn't I didn't get to touch this, but I wanted to drop this note. I don't know if you guys remember, like a few years back, uh, Japan has a pop star, that AI hologram pop star. Oh, that, for sure, man. That's one. So I think that's part of the programming. And then the other thing that was more recent, uh, Amazon has revealed an experimental Alexa feature that allows AI assisted to mimic the voices of users, dead relatives. So when you combine the AI. Uh, the voice technology and the hologram technology, a lot of these things can be implemented into anything, like you said. And the direct energy weapons. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, and the direct energy weapons. Into the like, it, you put them all together, and who knows what they could come up with, especially like, so we have to also think about that, these strategies that they're coming out with when we're seeing the Ukraine or or China in, you know, uh, Taiwan. Uh, what are they doing this for? Like, mm -hmm. obviously, in my opinion, Ch Russia, China, America, like all these elites they're all in on together. They may be, mm -hmm. you know, elbow room, elbowing each other for position, you know, like who, who's at the top of the pyramid maybe, but in general, they're all kind of have the same floor plan. So maybe they're like, Hmm, you know, proxy wars. Now we can just fake a complete proxy war. Like we don't even have to actually do it. Like we can still kill people. Like they're like, don't get me wrong, but we can make it look like it's something else. So they have to unify the world somehow as to get the umbrella to one world government. And I don't know what it is. I know we've always said like biblical or aliens, but like you said earlier, catalyst, who knows, they may have another plan that, that is 
it's just we haven't got there yet. And if we look through, I know a lot of people think it's crazy, especially people that are into the conspiratorial world or truth or movement. They don't understand like how important movies are. Like movies are very important mm-hmm. to see what can be done and what the public will accept. Uh, yes. How will they react? What's the good guy? What's the bad guy? That's how I see politics. Like people ask me all the time. Like I'm like, yeah, I vote, but I vote for a third party because it's almost like a protest vote. But in reality, they're all characters, right? Like Trump's a good guy for some people. He's a bad guy for some people. Biden's a good guy. Well, Biden, I don't know, man. That's kind of like the worst guy. <laughs> he, he's, he's a comedian. Don't say the D word. But he's a comic relief, right? Like he just, the, the thing is he went full retard. You know, you never go full retard. Everybody knows that, man. <laughs> he went full retard, brother. But but I think that like that this technology is is not the technology is catching up with the technocrats i believe a lot of this is technocracy where this has been talked about since the early 1900s it's just now they're able to actually implement a lot of these things where they can control everything with data and carbon they're building a new uh, economy and i think they will utilize this technology i don't know how i i can't predict how i mean we can well, all speculate well but i don't say, it's they, gonna happen they, they controlled and locked down the entire world through media propaganda. Me. Well, I'm just <laughs> in general, right? The entire world through media propaganda, through the news and predictive programming in movies is a very, very big thing. It's not something that should, that should mm-hmm. be dismissed. Now you put their ability to control the mass hysteria that they've implemented just through media and, and take all the things that we talked about today, just imagine how convincing it's going to be. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. Good, good point, brother. Good point. Joel Rodriguez, where can everybody find you, brother? <laughs> hey brother. Uh, so I'm uh, for the most part on Instagram, uh, the tech Lords on Instagram have uh, not banned me yet. I don't know what will happen after the airing of this show, but uh, I can be found on Instagram <laughs> at Rodriguez 61285. Um, or you can check me on the Whiskey, Beer, and Conspiracies Rockfin channel, where I have, uh, I think I'm up to seven published articles on that forum. And uh, if not, you can catch me in Central Texas, brother. Awesome. And uh, I, I can't thank you enough. The preparedness that you actually did investigative journalism just for this show. And I can't thank you enough for that. You fucking crushed it. Definitely. Have- Appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it. I have an announcement to make, guys, and I'm very, very saddened to have to say this to you. But at the end of the month, we are losing our good friend, Sean, on White Rabbit. But don't worry. He is still going to be pushing out Kill the Mockingbirds. We got him for one more show. So uh, what's going on with Kill the Mockingbirds and your music and everything so that people can still follow you and still because your insight on everything is fucking incredible. And we're not losing Sean to the world. We're just losing him on White Rabbit. That doesn't mean he's not going to come on as a guest every now and then, guys. But uh, I want people to follow you if they're not already. So where do they need to go and to keep up with the amazing tales of Sean Chris? Well, you know, you could go to Operation Kill the Mockingbirds because uh, the original Kill the Mockingbirds has been nuked. But we're gaining uh, traction again, man, because uh, with one uh, closed door becomes another opening. And uh, we're going to be dropping uh, a new single for um, the documentary that from Merkel Media uh, that will be dropping in 
fall sometime. So we're doing the the first single for that uh, soundtrack will be dropping, I think, September 2nd, I believe. Uh, I'll have to get back to you on that. And then uh, other than that, we're just working on September 2nd. That's pretty soon. So that's yeah, it will be be very soon. Like, yeah, it will be in a couple of weeks. We're going to drop out uh, that first single and then we'll be dropping the soundtrack. Then I'll be helping uh, Joel and Van Tesla uh, amp uh, their album up. And then, uh, you know, I'm coming up with a couple got a couple of music stuff that I'm working on myself. And other than that, just like really trying to knock down this uh, whole kill the mockingbird things, you know what I mean? Like trying to really give people, uh, we're trying to mix it up, but we're, we're kind of going under the uh, whole thing of uh, uh, news, paranormal conspiracies, you know, but with the comedic touch, <laughs> you guys are, you guys are fucking crushing brother. And you, you and Joel have such an amazing dynamic that you have went from like, a show that I listen to because you're my friend that a show that I can't wait till the next episode comes out. So be sure and go, if you're not already subscribed to kill the mockingbirds. It's a fucking amazing show. And, uh, this is not farewell yet. We have our farewell show next week. And uh, we're going to have a really big deep dive on Jeffrey Epstein and all the players that were involved way before he was even born. So, um, that's going to be, I I got something to say, uh, Jeffrey didn't kill himself. <laughs> Shit, I don't even know if the motherfucker's dead, to be honest with you. <laughs> Yo, hey, hey, Sean, man, listen, I just realized that uh, I've followed your channel for quite some time on Telegram, brother. This is You Kill the Mockingbirds oh, really? on here. Yes, sir. <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. kidding. Get out of here. Oh, man, this is one of my go-to channels. <laughs> How did oh, cool, I just man. make that correlation right now? Yeah, <laughs> it happens, man. Like a lot of people too. I lost a lot of uh, 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 ground and, and a lot of connections when they nuked my big page. Uh, but it, like I said, like I, I loved it because it just gets me. That means I got to work harder. That's why I tell them like anything they try to throw at me negative, I turn it into a positive, man. That's what we do all day, man. No, uh, so I, I love your fucking reaction to that. It, it, reminds, <laughs> it reminds me of this. What? Did we just become what? <laughs> <laughs> Facts, bro. Oh man, hell yeah! So I'm, I'm on Telegram too, my brother. Link up with me, Noel R. On yes, Telegram. sir. Oh, you should have thrown that out. Well, you did just throw it out. So I, go, <laughs> go follow his Telegram. Go follow his Telegram too. Um, I'm on Telegram as well, but I don't post shit on there until they take me off of Instagram. That's going to be my home base. Um, and you guys can catch us on every podcast platform. Well, maybe not Spotify anymore, but <laughs> be sure and go check out uh, the Patriot Podcast Network via any Roku app. And uh, you can see my show on there. And I believe Kill the Mockingbirds is going to be on there again very, very soon. We got we got some behind the uh, scenes stuff going on to get, get him back in the mix. Some video so we can see your beautiful face. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. A catalyst with the white rabbit. I will see you in the metaverse, my brother, Sean, Chris, I will see you killing the mockingbirds. That's for sure. Again, fellas, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to uh, put some of this information on the white rabbit podcast. Um, Great fucking time and uh, rest in peace, police officer Ella French and uh, salute my guys. Much respect. Crushed brother. Crushed. All right, everybody, you know what it is. Keep digging down those rabbit holes.
see 